All right. Good night, good evening, good morning, wherever you are in the world watching Game Face right now. We definitely appreciate it. This is episode 40, 100% malt liquor free. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. We do have some beer in the fridge. <laughs> we can crack a Corona. I feel like a Corona is the antithesis of malt liquor. Yeah. It's like agree. the easiest drinking beer versus the most difficult to drink beer. You can put a lime in either one, though. Yeah. You'd have to drink about a half a case of Corona to get the same <laughs> impact that you get from, like, 240s. So, uh, no 40s for us tonight on the show, but we do have great topics for you guys tonight. Uh, just to kick things off, there's a couple little things we want. It's not going to be as long an intro as we had last week, which ended up being... Our intro last week ended up being about the length of most of other video casts. Yeah. <laughs> We don't, we, we, we don't skimp. We sure don't, man. You definitely get your money's worth with Game Face. So one of the first things we want to talk about that we don't really want to dedicate a whole topic to is this week, two more publishers bailed on E3. Yeah, and not ones I would have expected. No. I mean, we already had EA and Activision, and now Wargaming and Disney? Yeah. I mean, one thing I Wargaming? will say... Wargaming? Well, here's an anecdote for you. I didn't know... What Wargaming was the first time I saw him at E3. All I know is oh, that yeah. like, this huge booth appeared, and I was like, what the hell is Wargaming.net? And it was for like World of Tanks World or of Tanks. whatever. They were right in front of um, the G4 booth yeah. when they first showed up. And so in the background of every single one of our live broadcast shots was this giant World of Tanks. Yeah. And, and the whole time we're like, World of Tanks? Like, that's World of Warcraft with tanks? Like, what are you doing? And like, we thought it was like the dumbest imaginable name. Well, that and, like, night I went home and I and then we're Googled like, it and Oops. I was like, oh, yeah. well, wow. Well, dude, you, you know what? Like, at, at the end, because they were like in the background of our shot with like all this stuff, like at the end of the show, like they came over and brought us like all these remote controlled tanks to say, oh, wow. so, like, sorry if we got in the way of your shot all the time and like but get, thank you for all the thanks for all the free marketing yeah <laughs> and we're like oh okay you know well yeah. you know we i don't know about the game because it wasn't it was like still in beta at that yeah. point but like well i don't know about the game but like they gave us free tanks so yeah, that's yeah. cool you know so um yeah it's funny to have seen them like start at this like little booth behind us that were like who the fuck is that and, oh, like, and now they're like eventually. they're the biggest thing in the world you know, now they have world of warships and world like... warships and world of warplanes and what and I mean, their booth has become like I love their booth design. It was really like, nice. Every, yeah. every, all the recent years, like it was huge. The, the war gaming, like just you know, net over the whole thing, and like you know, just you can just walk in whenever you know, almost at all times. I mean, they were big enough that everyone who was interested could get in and play their stuff, which is like that's rare at E3. Yeah, really. for sure. And then yeah, so and then them and Disney both have bailed on the show. Now, one thing I would say is like really neither publisher has anything to show. True. I mean, like, yeah, it's not like you have to get your hand, people's hands on the betas for more world of whatever. Right. And Disney Interactive, I mean, there's no Disney Infinity, new Disney Infinity this year. There's yeah. no new Star Wars game this year. Like, I wonder if Disney Infinity will come back. I don't know. Or if they'll just keep releasing just DLC for 3.0. I think 3.0 is in a place where you can just keep doing DLC. For this generation, probably. Yeah. yeah. Like, I don't see... Make it, like, a platform and... Make a full... Because it's very robust right now, especially in terms of creation tools. And, like, I think just release, like, new Star Wars stuff and new Marvel stuff as the movies come out. I mean, the, the graphics engine is good enough. Yeah. Like, does it really matter if they make... They don't really need to make another no, base I think, game. No, I think the play sets on 3.0 feel like a real game, for like a B-tier yeah. game for the most part. At least it feels, like, kind of on par with, like, Lego. Mm-hmm. So I think that's good enough if they keep making them... 
more full featured. But uh, yeah, they don't really have. I mean, I guess you could say they have Kingdom Hearts, but Square is the one that shows that off. So yep. even though Disney owns all that. Yep. Did you by any chance get to look at the E3 floor plan that they released this week? No. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. They didn't really fill EA or Activision spaces with like anything. They're just huge gaping holes in the floor plan now. That's gonna be weird because yeah. that's a whole like like a, that's that's the a whole big third chunk in the front of the third one of hall. South Hall. Yep. I think. Yeah, a whole third of it. Yeah, it's wow. just empty. So you're just gonna walk in and there's nothing there. And that is one of the doors you do walk into. Like you literally would use mm-hmm. to walk into the show, and EA is just boom, like right, in, right your in your face, and they have this huge like horseshoe shaped booth with a massive screen that arches all the way around mm-hmm. it. Like that's gone. Yeah, it'll be crazy, man. I mean, it really looks like E3 is headed right for this cycle again because this happened before. Like, it got yep. really big, publishers complained, and then, like, an EA executive went to the show, was embarrassed by the show, said this isn't the way our industry should be represented as its flagship conference. And so immediately everyone was like, you're right. And then they went, reverted back. It was smaller at first. I think they the first... When they started E3 again, it was like 15,000 people or something. Yeah, very small. And then it's, it's crept up again. And now mm-hmm. last year, it was almost back to where it was whenever they decided to cut the cord the last time. So it looks like this is just a cyclical thing that's just going to mm-hmm. keep happening. They're going to like, it's too big. They're going to cut it down. It'll be a joke. Some publisher will complain. It's embarrassing. They'll start ticking it back up. It just seems like what's this, embarrassing like, about it is what I don't get. It's like, look how, how many people are interested no, he, no. EA was saying was embarrassed when it got small because oh, they went okay. to the show and their exec was like, "This is our flagship." Yeah, like I mean, it was pretty sad. It was very weird. I mean, E for All was pathetic, which was like its own yeah. separate thing. But the year that they did it in Santa Monica, like they had us in this weird airplane hangar where mm-hmm. they had like rolled in like this really thick like shag carpeting to like I stumbled it, like, almost fell down. Yep. Like it and, was like, they had, like They had like. Maybe a dozen kiosk games set up like down the row of that shag carpeting, the, and like that was it. Like, the there was booths no one in there. were like the size of the game face table. Yeah, like it was that's nothing. how it was. Like literally, like Sega had like one spindle with like TVs all the way around it, and then that was like it. That yeah. was their booth, and so that's what EA flipped out over and was like, "This isn't good enough." Like, yeah. and you went in and you looked, and it was like there was like one like reporter in like a sport coat like looking at one thing at each booth and like it was nothing sad. it was not because everyone was doing like meetings and interviews off-site at the various yeah. hotels which was a lot of fun to drive to over and over I mean, yeah. oh my god because it, it, it sucked we couldn't get anywhere so I, here's the thing like so people are like well ea's having this event it's right off the convention center sure it is and it probably will take us 10 minutes to walk there well more than that when you count like getting through the convention center getting outside mm. waiting for track It'll take you 20... Well, that road will be closed, so I mean, it'll be even less than that. I mean, it's right. just, you just run across the street. It'll be so real right fast. There's a door that leads right to it. Right. Basically. So right now, it's not that big a deal. But if more publishers start doing this and start leaving, right. even if there were just Like, where is two... Activision going to be? Right. Where is, I mean, where are they, what hotel are we going to have to like Uber over to to see And look, Wargaming is going to be there. And yeah. they're going to try to get you to do appointments. And they're probably going to rent some hotel suite at the Figaro or whatever, which is a couple blocks. But the more publishers that start doing this... E3 starts to turn into a disaster, pretty mm-hmm. much. And so... I think the Fig's actually under renovation right. this, this year. Oh, you're right. I don't think you can even go there for no. E3, which is like the watering hole at E3. Everyone goes there to yeah, drink. Yeah, Hotel Figaro like, is like... That's, that's what Fig is named after, I yeah. think. Like, next year, if any of you guys are in L.A. during E3 and you want to meet a bunch of game developers... I probably shouldn't be telling them this. You don't, you're giving away the secrets. <laughs> 
If you want to meet a bunch of game developers, just go to the Hotel Figueroa bar after E3, and you can meet mm-hmm. a bunch of people. Just don't bother them and don't tell them I told yeah. you that. So. And, and you'll you'll definitely see me because that's where <laughs> I go. I, You'll see, you'll see, yeah, definitely you'll see both there, of us. There have been last days of E3 where Sessler and I have gone there. Like It's like 2 p.m. We're yeah. like, is it, is it fig time? Yeah, we're going. And they don't yeah. leave there until like 8. No. And you're on oh, mess. You, oh, if you're, <laughs> you leave there at 8 to go to one of the parties, and then you come uh, back at 11, and everyone's still there. It's, yeah, and then you, try to, then you end up Ubering home and spending $60 <laughs> to get home because you're too drunk. So, but it's anyway. good times. Yeah, it's, it is it's a good tot- time. It's all business. <laughs> it's totally se- very serious. But yeah, it does appear as if E3 is going through another transition. The thing that's different this time, obviously, is the whole YouTuber Twitch mm-hmm. thing. So maybe it doesn't cycle back around unless E3 decides it's going to start letting the public have its day. Like, do mm-hmm. the Saturday. And or just- letting publishers call the shots. Because I think that's like what's at the heart of this is like, you know, as, as they would call it, influencers. Um, and I think each company has a different, each publisher has a different idea of which influencers are their influencers. Yeah. So, you know, so they want, you know, Activision wants these people year, in. They, each publisher got like a hundred passes yeah. to give away to their influencers. But now you're, they're starting to see that there's some crossover, that there's, you know, and, and basically I think either the ESA like stops kind of being as draconian as they are over, over who qualifies as media or in terms of these influencers on YouTube and Twitch mm-hmm. or... You know, as we as we're seeing, the publisher are going to take their ball and go across the street. Yeah. They're not going home, but they're going across the street. I mean, I think ESA is doing it right in that they're giving the publishers the passes and letting the publishers sort it out. Because imagine mm-hmm. if you're the ESA and you have to vet thousands and thousands of YouTube channels. Yeah. Because if you open it up to YouTube channels, they're all going to apply. Oh and, yeah. I mean, you will literally have like you know, you already have a ton of work to get through just for the legitimate press and industry. You tack on another like ten thousand people trying to get in the show, it just yeah. it wouldn't work. Well, so, it's like that's why you just I, open it up for the public well, for I, a Saturday. Well, I think even uh, Thursday because I don't Thursday's so dead. Well, because now that you can't transfer badges and they check ID all the time, Thursday last year was so empty. It looked yeah. it looked like setup hour. I got so much work done though on True. that day, like literally, and it's a shorter day. It ends at like four o'clock or whatever. It's like a shorter day than the other days. But I literally got in there like as soon as the doors opened, and I got almost everything done that mm-hmm. I needed to do on the show floor in like four hours. Yeah, but it's like around... I played everything I wanted to. I shot everything we needed to shoot. Like... It was super nice, but like it looks bad. It does. If yeah. You're, if you're a, you know if you're there to hype stuff and like I mean I was walking by booths and people were like you want to play it you want to come I, I, I've never seen that at E3. Yeah. Like, people are like asking you to come in and play something. Like, they should probably push it to Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or even just do Thursday, Friday, and then open up Saturday to the public. Let them come in and pay. Maybe the money that you generate from people paying to get in, you cut the publishers a break on the booth costs, and you sort of augment the money that you were making from the publishers for their booths with the money from the gate sales so that the publishers aren't angry that you're charging them this crazy rate for floor space. <laughs> like, There's a way that they can do it to keep it relevant mm-hmm. to the current sort of trends in the industry. So hopefully they'll look into that and they'll try to change it because I would really hate to see E3 go back down that path again where it becomes this yeah. like circus sideshow. I mean it's just it's E3's got to mutate with the times basically and it yeah. hasn't yet so yeah. you know it's an old organization there's a lot of old people running yeah. the ESA folks like, it's, I mean it's probably a positive thing in the end that like yeah. you know EA and Activision are kind of taking the forefront and like hey things are changing and we need to change with it and if ESA is not going to listen they're going to you know, force the issue. It's the old evolve or die mantra, and yep. E3 is going to have to deal with it, just like Sifted e- has. And E3 evolve or die. Yeah, exactly. So save that for the topic when they change everything. Oh yeah. 
All right, that's our intro, much shorter than last week. Let's get to the big six. So some bad news today. Well, I guess depending on your or not today, but this week, depending on your perspective, um, Microsoft canceled Fable Legends and eventually are going to shutter Lionhead Studios. Kind of out of nowhere. Really out of nowhere, because literally, just last week, there were like two brand new trailers released mm -hmm. for Fable Legends, so obviously Lionhead knew nothing, because yeah. they do put out like their own trailers on their own YouTube channel. Like They rarely ended up making it to Microsoft's YouTube channel, which maybe, in hindsight, should have been a red <laughs> flag that I picked yeah. up on. Uh, while curating for the site, I should have noticed that, hey, why doesn't Microsoft publish the Fable Legends trailers on its YouTube channel? But, uh, so yeah, I mean, to me, this came out of nowhere. Um, so obviously, I, I don't know, if, I wouldn't know if I would call Lionhead a legendary developer. It certainly made some excellent games. It's I made mean, some disappointing games. I don't know about legendary in terms of, like, all of its lineup, but, I mean... It has made legendary games. It has made games that changed everything. Populous changed everything to a lot. You know that was kind of created the God game. Yeah. Basically, I mean that was a you know its its early days were amazing. You know, or, I mean I guess that was Bullfrog, but uh, you know that pedigree is still there. And uh, I like I like a lot of Lionhead stuff. I like Fable, the Fable games. I liked Lionhead stuff up until. Fable 3 was the last game I really liked that they made. Well, what else have they made? Fable well, Journey. Yeah, which was that god-awful Kinect game yeah, yeah. on rails. Yep, and I think that's it. Was it was literally a disaster. Did they make anything else after that? I don't think they did. No, I think you're right. This, they went, moved right on to Fable Legends. Legends and then after that. Because that thing's been in development for like three years. I mean, essentially what happened was Molyneux left. In 2012, yeah. And then suddenly they were just handed these god-awful projects to work on. Yeah, and everybody kept asking it, why not Fable 4? Yeah. And so here's the real question that probably people care about more than anything, is like, what happens to Fable? It's a good question. I think, I mean, I don't think Microsoft will just throw that IP in the trash. No I think way. I think you hand that to someone else who has another idea for it. Or, I mean, I think people would be okay with just another Fable game. True, but I think like, the thing about Fable is, like, Fable's always had a lot of potential that it never quite lived up to. Yeah. And I think if you hand it to, you know, I think it's right there. You know, I think the, a lot of the promise of Fable could be realized in this generation because a lot of that stuff that it was sort of ahead of its time on has been done yeah. now. In a, in a different and sometimes better way. So I think you can, you can probably make That's a really kick-ass game. I still play the game where an acorn turns into a tree. Well, they did that sort of in Fable 3 in a really roundabout way, but like it was... But it wasn't dynamic, like no, the way it was supposed no. to be. It was just like a can thing. But at the same, on one hand, it's like, yeah, that's a good example of like, you know, developer promises that never come to fruition, but at the same time, it's like, I don't want to fucking watch a tree grow. Like, yeah. who cares? Like, it's like... It's like a cool concept that like probably didn't make it into the game because it was useless in a gameplay perspective. I don't know. I think it's kind of cool if you had a tree planted next to your like house in the overworld or whatever, and when you came back to your house every five or six hours, the tree had grown a little bit, and maybe the fruit grows on it that becomes mm -hmm. magical fruit that can help you in the in your. I mean, there's cool ways you can do it. Well, I think I don't want to debate growing trees in video. I, I think you might topic, want but... to check out a game called Animal Crossing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I guess you're right. Yeah, that's a good point. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean. I think the big stunner for me is that, like you said, Fable Legends in development for like three or four years. And like, I mean, it's it's done betas and closed betas, and like, I mean, they're they're refunding the money. You could spend real money in the beta, and they're refunding that, like, thankfully. But like, 
you know, people have, the public, the public has played under NDA, but like people outside of Microsoft have played this game extensively. Oh yeah, I mean, I think they're keeping the beta open until April or something mm-hmm. like that, so people can keep playing it. I don't know, Matt, that I've ever seen one a game in development this long, but two a game that was shown several times, showed very well, showed a lot of promise, looks extremely polished. People. And showed played, very prominently. Yeah, people have played the beta. It, there's been, like, floor demos at trade shows. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a game this far along and seemingly so close to being finished canceled. I can't think of another example, really. I None. Mean, the, actually, the only other one I can think of is, um, and I can't remember its name, but it was the plain combat game for the Dreamcast that uh, Sega canceled because of 9-11. Oh, yeah. That's the only because that game was basically done. That was, Those were extenuating circumstances. Yeah, but that's though, not the but... same thing. That one, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Yeah. This one, it's like, mm-hmm. like I mean, I guess maybe because it's a free to play online game, like it didn't make sense to spend the money on the servers and the upkeep and. I mean, was the all response that? to the beta that bad? I mean, that's the only thing I can figure is that maybe the user so. base in the beta had just dwindled to nothing and they just thought it didn't have the hook that kept people engaged enough. Because look, that's the thing. Like you. <laughs> That's why League of Legends works. People mm. want to keep playing it every day. But and... then to also close Lionhead right. on top of that is like... Well, I mean, think about it, Matt. If you gave a studio three or four years to work on a game, and God knows how much money they've spent on that game True. developing it. And, like, you're looking at it. I mean, it was just delayed, and we were shocked at that delay. And if Microsoft is now looking at it and, like, well... <laughs> We're probably going to delay it again. That was probably just the last draw. They're like, we can't Ooh. keep stringing it out like this. But I mean, I guess you can't have sacred cows in development business. And again, like Molyneux's gone, so there's some cachet lost with the studio. They're not. There's not going to be a ton of fan outcry because Molyneux's not a part of it anymore. Although at this point, Molyneux's reputation is so tarnished that I don't even know if it would happen with him. But, you know, people kind of had that personal connection with Molyneux. Because, look, he's a charismatic guy. He's a good guy, if you know him personally. Like, I love, mm-hmm. always love interviewing the guy. He's really smart, really interesting. Um, it's up for debate whether you feel like he's been manipulative or deceptive in the past. Um, some would say yes, some would say no. Um, but you don't really have that emotional attachment to the game like you might have had if Molyneux was still working on it. So mm-hmm. I feel like it was easier maybe for Microsoft to be like, we can let this go and not worry about too much of a backlash. But look, this was also one of their big exclusives, man. Like, yeah. for a system that needs all the exclusives they can get, like... And there's nothing else in this space for them right now. I just... It just is mind-boggling. Something had to have happened. I mean... Sounds like we got to go to Guilford and invest. Yeah, <laughs> sleepy little town. <laughs> but I, I was really, really shocked by this. And you're right. Like, not. I was even more shocked. I was actually more shocked that they canceled Fable Legends. I could see them because this happens all the time. Put the game out, then dissolve the studio, or yeah, just keep then... a skeleton crew to work on DLC and stuff mm-hmm. like that, or bring that stuff in house. Um, but not releasing the game and not getting any return on your investment whatsoever. Which had to be a sizable one. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been in years. development three or four years. It's probably, they probably spent close to $100 million on this game at this point. Between marketing and you start adding up all the times they've flown people around the world to promote the mm-hmm. game. And, like, the servers for the beta that's been running for, like, ever. Like, and I just really wanted to play the game. I think yeah. more importantly, like, I thought it was a really unique idea. I had played it at E3. I had fun with it. Like... 
Like we just talked about it in terms of like that Wii U game that never happened, where like you know uh, the asymmetrical thing where someone's like the dungeon master. Oh, and somebody actually mentioned on the in the comments for the show last week, it was called Killer Freaks from Outer Space. That was what it was originally mm. called by Ubisoft. So thanks for that, by the way. But mm. uh, you're right. yeah, maybe asymmetrical multiplayer just isn't made for this world. It works in board games all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't I got like three of them at home. If you want to play that gameplay, like I got it. We're gonna, we'll do it. We'll play some Descent. I will say one thing about Fable Legends. I do not think there has been a better looking game canceled ever. As far as just technically and graphically, I mean, it's a gorgeous game. Like yeah. the amount of work that has gone into this thing to just kill it. Like it's, it's all. A shame, almost, it's a shame people will never see it. You almost feel like someone from Lionhead like slept with someone's wife who works at Micro. Yeah. Like it just like it seems so absurd that it almost feels like it has to be something that extreme that would cause this. I just like how could how bad could this be that like Fable the Journey gets released right? and this doesn't exactly. I mean that game was straight up broken and didn't work. Yeah. Like and look the Connect it was done by then. Like Microsoft knew yeah. it wasn't going to succeed and work so. I don't know, man. I was really, really shocked. It's a shame by this. they we didn't get this, and they didn't cancel the journey. Yeah, exactly. Why they made them? You know, that was actually the death of Lionhead. Was making them work on that god awful Connect game for like two years yeah, or however long they worked. Well, I think a lot of places can say that. Yeah. Well, that was the other thing too that kind of happened this week. Like Microsoft cleaned up its uh, Microsoft Studios website, and so they deleted like the logo for Lionhead off of it. It was like a page of all their developers. What was the other one? They they was it Press Play? Yeah, there was there was actually several, but I think Microsoft came out like later in the day and said no. You know, some of those teams hadn't really been assigned specific projects, and they've been kind of rolled into other teams at Microsoft. So look, I don't know if Microsoft's full of crap and like. Mm. They're just giving excuses, or if those people really were rolled into other teams. But yeah, I mean, it deleted several studios off of its official Microsoft Studios website. So hmm. things are looking real funky in Microsoft land right now. Um, some of the deals that, and there's deals right now on the Sifted homepage where you can get an Xbox One with like $50 off and like two free games and like. It's starting to seem like retailers are starting to get a little sure, desperate. Starting to, starting to, to feel a little them. liquidator a little bit. Liquidation. Yeah. And look, that's the second deal like that that has come across Sifted in the last week. Where and, you it's, could... and it's March. Right. Like It's not like holiday time, like it's you know, run up to Black Friday or something. It's yeah. just like people want these things out of their stores. And then with the whole PC, Xbox One to PC debacle that's been mm. going on over the last week. And God, there's been so many editorials written about that in the last yeah. seven days. And the constant trying to lock people into Windows 10. Yeah. And now the question of whether you're even going to be able to use like the cross-app features if you're not in the App Store right. uh, on Windows 10. Like, I don't know what they're doing. Like, Microsoft's I, been doing a lot of damage control over the last yeah. like three weeks, really. And it really seems to be that thing again where it's like, you know, you know how they like, they go through that cycle. They've gone through that cycle probably three or four times since we've been in the industry where, like, Microsoft doesn't give a shit about PC games. Yeah. And then all of a sudden they do. And yeah. they do all this stuff and they super get into it and they do all, and they all they have this whole lineup and, and they come, everything, and then they, like, everything comes out and everyone's like, hmm, okay, Vanguard, great, what? I don't know. And then, yeah. like, they stop, like, oh, well, we're not going to do that anymore. And then, like, a few years later they get interested again. And every time it happens, they do something weird, like games for Windows Live. Yeah. Or in this case, I guess, locking you into Windows 10, whether you like it or not. Yeah. And, like, I just don't see... I don't understand internally how, like, anyone sells them again. Like, hey, what if we try to, like, control PC gaming again? That always works out well, right? You know, it's like, nobody like game for, games for Windows Live. So why would you try to, like, lock people in again? And then, like, last week they had their uh, their Xbox Spring Showcase event. Did you know they even had it? No. 
Exactly. The only game that they really covered there was Quantum Break. Like, there was new gameplay and trailers that came out for that game, but for there was nothing else. Huh. Like, they just don't that game have, out yet? No. <laughs> I don't even know what... I, I lost that game somewhere. Like, no, it comes out in April, I think, like early April. Oh, okay. So it's not far away. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there was no story coming out of that event. And, I mean, we're going to talk in a little bit about Nintendo's latest Direct, which was all games coming in the spring or early summer... And, you know, we've been giving Nintendo a lot of flack about 2016, saying there's not much coming. Well, pfft. you could p- compare... They've got what they've got an actual lineup, you whereas can compare their, Microsoft has what would probably be termed a duo. Yeah, exactly. You compare their Q2 to Microsoft's, and they're, like, mopping the floor with Microsoft. So, I don't know what's going on, man, with Microsoft. It sounds like there's a real pivot happening internally that we're just that not... That they just haven't messaged yeah. yet, like... E3, know, E3 is going to be interesting. I wonder if like we'll get some some clarity on that. I wonder, too, how bad Microsoft can get its butt kicked before <laughs> the big wigs start cleaning house. Yeah. Start looking for to replace people. Like, look, everyone loves Phil Spencer, and I feel like he's done a great job. And maybe all this PC stuff isn't even his doing, although he did kind of bring it up for the first time himself mm. and say that was sort of what something he was concentrating on. I mean, I just want—I don't know what's—I don't know the timeline. I mean, I'm just wondering, like, you know, you came out—you came wrong-footed out of the gate with the Xbox One because you'd handed it to non-game people to design, basically, especially the OS. The OS was clearly made by people that never touched a video game on that system because none of it worked for for a gaming purpose for the most part. And you're already like kind of you know off kilter because you came out with that whole DRM strategy and everybody lost their minds and then Sony fed you your own lunch mm-hmm. at that E3 press conference, which is one of the biggest mic drop moments in the history of that convention. Yeah, um, man, like I you, I mean I know a lot of people watched that live where they they announced like you know that there would be no DRM on the PS4, but like you don't understand how loud it was in there. That only the 2004 reveal of. Um, Twilight Princess was yeah. a more a bigger pop in in the crowd. It's so stupid too. Like the fact that Microsoft ever thought that was a good idea. They just, I mean, look. Of course, Sony's not going to do it because Sony's not that stupid. Yeah. Like it was a no brainer. I mean, like, Sony had that stuff in place. Like, I mean, they had I'll, that ready I'll put to it go. To you this way. But then micro- everyone reacted the way they did, and you'd have to be a complete moron. I'll put it to you this way. When Sony originally worked on the plan for that press conference, I can guarantee you. There was no mention of DRM anywhere in that press conference. Like, they were not going to just mention, like, if Microsoft didn't have it, mm-hmm. they were going to be like, we don't have it either. Like, no one would have mentioned it. It's only right. because Microsoft said they were going to have it that all of a sudden Sony's oh, yeah. like, well, we're well, going to respond. Well, micro- I mean, Sony had the same plan yeah. ready to go, but the and night before the response, in the yeah. hotel room, they decided, like, we're just going to, that's where that video they put up of them saying, like, no, DR- they're in a hotel room with a camera phone yeah. like just doing that the night before the conference because they yeah. decided we're going to we're not only not going to do what you know go through with this plan but we are going to stick it to Microsoft in our press conference on it and, that, and, and they it was did. great they did and uh, the thing about this whole console race war or whatever the heck you want to call it is that at first it was like look Sony was winning but it was kind of close and like I don't think anyone was all that surprised mm-hmm. that Sony was winning but you know Microsoft was game at first but now it's just really getting to the point where it's just like a straight up ass kicking. When you're just like, I don't, I still have a lot of friends who still play everything on Xbox One because that's what they bought out of the gate because they were 360 people. Yeah. Um, I switched to PS4 pretty. I mean, I, I got bought both of them on launch day, but like I switched to PS4 for multi-platform stuff pretty quick because it was performing, 
you know, just technically performing better there for the most part. Yeah. And now, like, it really is hitting the point where I just don't use the Xbox. I really don't either. And I hardly play anything on And it's sad because, like, I played through... The 360 was probably 80% of my gaming time last generation. Yeah. If I my uh, DirecTV box wasn't going through my Xbox One, it would never be on. <laughs> well, I don't even have that. Yeah, I mean, I do use it for that, in which I actually hate because it blocks, like, the 3D signal coming from my cable, from my DirecTV box into my TV, so I can't actually... I am mm-hmm. one of the people who actually enjoys, like, 3D. Like, I bought a really nice 3D TV, and I <laughs> like it, and I can't consume 3D content on my television now because there's no 3D pass-through on Xbox One. So, mm. I mean, honestly, like, it may get to a place where I just take it out and just go direct back right through like it used to be, and that Xbox One will just sit there and not do anything. Because I'd been to my friend's house when he had his cable plugged in through the Xbox, and every time... Cause the, so the Xbox One had just come out where, you know, everybody was watching football for... It was football. It was NFL Sunday, and yeah. we're like... Talk, but we're talking about Xbox, and every time someone would say Xbox... The fucking system would try to change the yeah, channel. Yeah, I know. And it, it happened. My wife's voice gets picked up by Connect all the time. And it It'll happened. Um, TV shows, it'll start fast forwarding them or rewinding yeah. them. Well, no, that happened. It was it was overtime, last few seconds of a Broncos game. And the guy whose house we're at, he's, he's the Broncos fan. We watched Super Bowl there this yeah. year. And, like, in, I don't remember what happened, but something he yelled or something someone yelled. It, they didn't say Xbox, but I guess Xbox interpreted it as Xbox Rewind. Yeah, and like it's live television. It's the last like ten seconds of the final play. Are they gonna do it or not? And the thing starts going backwards, and then everybody starts yelling at the connect. They're like, no, actually, and everyone like you know, and it can't and hear us because crazy. Yeah, just, and, yeah. and, like, and at a certain point, I'm just like, well, I think I'm just not gonna plug my <laughs> cable into this thing. Then. And I mean, two yeah. you know, over a year and a half ago, I unplugged the connect and they threw it in the drawer, and it hasn't been plugged in since. Yep. So to get back on topic, I asked earlier, like, what's going to happen to Fable? I honestly think Microsoft is just going to give it to somebody else. They'll yeah. do the same thing they did with Gears. They'll do the same thing they did with Halo. They'll find another developer to make the next Fable game, or maybe even form a new team to just make Fable, like they did with uh, like Gears. Done with Gears. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see that. There's. The IP Fable is, is a valuable IP, and it, it could is. be a, it, you know it fills a, a role that like they just don't have anything else filling right now. Yeah, and probably ever. Yeah. Um. So you know, because like Scalebound isn't really the same thing. I don't think it's not a fun no. kind of you know. It's, a, it's Fable, not, there's no whimsy no, in Scalebound. No, probably not. <laughs> but like I think that's there's def- no comedy in Scalebound. Well, that's Platinum. Platinum puts some wacky in there every once in a while, but pro- their, it's not the focus. No, their comedy is unintentional comedy usually. Mm. <laughs> And but like Fable has that kind of British comedy sensibility, right. so maybe they can that dry wit. Yeah. yeah. So maybe they can kind of reform. Maybe even take some of the people that they were going to fire and bring yeah. them back. Like I don't it. think this is the end of Fable. Like no. I think we'll eventually see it again. It may be a PC game, but and it'll be a Windows 10 only. Yeah. But, <laughs> but I think we will see Fable again, and maybe they get Molyneux off his ass, and he stops making crappy mobile games that don't work, and. Hmm. I mean, that would be a good way to kind of reinvigorate the franchise to say Molyneux's coming back to work on it, and maybe that gets people excited about it again. Be interesting. I wonder how, I mean, I don't know anything about how Molyneux's feeling right now, but like yeah. after all this stuff with Goddess and how many, really times beat down. how many times they've dropped that ball, it feels like, you know, that the 22 cans thing maybe hasn't worked out the way he was hoping. Right. And do you ever re... You know, because the thing is, like, you know, a lot of what he said that didn't come to fruition with, like, the Fable games and all that, like, I didn't really freak out about that because I thought, you know, 
stuff changes in development. Well, the thing and is, he if the games should... ended up being okay, yeah, they're it's fine. not like they were bad like, games. And it's not like, you know, he shouldn't be like maybe, you know, spouting design doc ideas before yeah. the final build is in, you know, yeah. but like that's, you know, I think it's literally because, I, you know, I met the guy several times and he's just, he loves video games. He's very excited does, about what yeah. he thinks they're going to be able to do and sometimes he gets, you know, his mouth gets ahead of reality. Yeah. Uh, but the 22 cans thing... we can all like, be guilty of that here and there in life. For sure. But the 22 cans thing, I think, was a little more... Uh, it felt a little more nasty in the sense that, like, what they did to that guy who won that contest, right, yeah. won the, the tap the, you know, yeah. tap the stupid I think stupid what we're thing. finding is that Molyneux is not a good manager. Yeah. That's probably and the I best think, way to put it. You know, the way they restructure... Great guy, big dreamer. Yeah. He's just not a manager. He's a creative person. Yeah. He's not a business person. Really. Right. And, and, you know, that's where he should be. And it looks like they, you know, they restructured 22 cans to kind of... You know, there's a business guy as a CEO running now, and he's more of a creative director position. And I, you know, it seems to be back on track in terms of you know who's doing their best job right now. Yeah. But you know, who knows? Yeah. yeah. Before we move on to the next topic, I, I also want to you know give my condolences to the people who are inevitably going to yeah. lose their jobs at Lionhead and any of the other studios that Microsoft decides to shutter. Um, losing your job is, always sucks, no matter what. Um, I would say probably most of those people probably have a nice little nest egg at this point. I hope. They worked at Lionhead all this time. The game sold pretty well. They should have got nice bonuses here and there. And I'm sure they were getting a nice salary while they were working on the game. But it's been they a long time. They were working for Microsoft. Those, those Microsoft benefits are pretty nice. So hopefully they can land on their feet pretty well. There's a lot of talented people just looking yeah. at Fable Legends. You and there's a see. big, you know, there's a fairly large game development community in Guilford right. where, where they're based. Uh, that can hopefully pick up a lot of people. Criterion, and the, Criterion Media Molecule. Molecule. There's several others that I can't remember. There's smaller studios, but like. So I mean, I would have to relocate. Yeah. Yeah. And also remember, um, that town was a sleepy little nothing town, uh, and then now they have. They're still a sleepy little English town, but they have a giant thriving game industry happening there, and that's yeah. all because Molyneux started Bullfrog there. It's right. all that all comes from there, and just about anybody, you know, Media Molecule, Criterion, all those guys came from Lionhead, came from Bullfrog, they, from the tree, from Molyneux, and like you know, they all those guys Molyneux know each other. Molyneux planted the acorn. Yeah, they grew in the acorn and grew into a tree. That's what, yeah, <laughs> it, it happened when it mattered. Yeah. So and then the fruit fell off the tree and rolled off to other. So studios. if you love Burnout, if you love Little Big Planet, Tearaway, all that stuff comes in the you know originally comes from Molyneux and what he started in that town. Everybody knows each other, and they all drink together in the same. Bar and stuff, yeah. so I'm, you know, I'm sure that all those other developers will take care of these newly jobless uh, Lionhead people as best they can. Um, you know, there's a, there's a there is a support structure there, I think, um, and they're all really good people, and it's a it's a very beautiful place. So hopefully, they can be able to stay there and continue doing what they love to do. Yep, our condolences, best of luck to everyone from Lionhead as they try to land on their feet. I mean, I guess the good news is they did kind of get a heads up. Yeah. So they have a couple of weeks. When do they say they're actually closing Lionhead? I didn't see an actual date. Yeah, so they do have a little time, it seems like, where they're still drawing a paycheck yeah. to kind of start looking at it. And it's not like the industry doesn't know. Yeah, so. oh yeah. Well, I think also Naughty Dog reached out to, mm-hmm. a couple studios in America actually reached out to them and said, hey, maybe we can get you guys over mm-hmm. here. Because so. there are there is a lot of talent at that studio. Oh yeah, you can see it in Fable Legend. Oh, yeah. That's why I can't believe the thing yeah. was canceled. It's really crazy. So anyway, we got to move on. We can't talk about this too much longer. So especially the cape people. Yeah, great capes. In <laughs> you made great capes. You're right. All right. So the next topic we're going to talk about is indie game prices. This is spurred on by this week. It was announced that No Man's Sky will be a fully <coughs> priced game. First of all, Matt, was that a surprise to you at all? Nope. Me either. Not what none. I whatsoever. seriously just thought it was a fully priced game the uh-huh. whole time. 
Like, it yeah. looks like a fully priced game. Yeah, you're They never, talk about it like it's a fully priced game. No one is going to look at that on a shelf or at a demo station in Best Buy and think, oh, this doesn't look like a real game. Yeah. Like it's, it's, no, no, no question. I think a lot of the, the ire that has come from this annou- announcement is expectations. One, for whatever reason, it's been labeled as an indie game, which I guess it is. It is an indie game. Yeah, I mean. Hello Games is funding this themselves. Like, they are getting. Distri- you know they're getting it on PS4, but they are not being funded by Sony. I mean, it's a sixteen-man team making this game, which is really yeah. mind-blowing. Originally four, right? Really four people in the in the original reveal at uh, VGX uh, several years ago. The if you look at that video, uh, three ships fly over in formation when the guy is like on the ground, and uh-huh. the reason it's three ships is because. They only had four the, people. The, yeah, they had four people. <laughs> three people could fly the ship while the, the, third, the fourth guy was standing there looking at the ships. That's why there's three ships. In that this. is freaking hilarious. And, like, how amazing is that, that, like, your company is so small that to do your opening, like, reveal demo, you have, everyone has to stop working to, like, <laughs> capture footage. Like, that's amazing. So, I mean, you know, this is, that, this is what spurred on this topic of, uh, for Game Face. But, you know, I just want to say, like, I don't have a problem with this game costing 60 bucks. I may, not now I don't. I may eventually, no, I mean, maybe, once I play yeah. the game. But based upon what I've seen of the game, what they've shown of the game, what we know about the game, they've said it's 40 hours of gameplay mm-hmm. or more. Um, that falls right in line with the fully priced game. Yeah. So there I don't really fully see priced the games that are a, a tenth of that. Yeah, I mean, this might be, and I actually posted this on on Sifted in, in one of the articles about this, but... This might be a case where the transparency of indie development has gone wrong. Hmm. Where people, because people know how big the team is, how many people are working on it, that they're aligned with Sony, etc., that maybe the expectations were that, oh, well, that it's an indie game. Well, this is what I expect to pay for an indie game. Maybe, but, like, that's stupid. Yeah. Oh, it is stupid, yeah. Like, all I can say is, like, like, I understand why people would say that, but I think the complaint is, if not wrong, it's at least irrelevant. Because you price something what you think people will pay for it, and people are paying for it. Like, it is yeah. the number one game for the PlayStation on Amazon for pre-orders. They have sold out of the limited edition PlayStation 4 version. I think they're close to selling out of that crazy $150 yeah. AIM 8-bit limited edition with the little ship, yeah. which I totally ordered. Did you? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I might regret the hell out of that because, yeah. I don't, you know, again, I am. this is my number one most wanted game. I'm very excited about it, but... Look, I've noticed a thing about this game. Where, like, there's two different people. There's the people that the people that aren't interested or think it's going to be disappointing or think it's going to be stupid, who are more than happy to come into anything on the any thread or Twitter conversation on the internet and tell you very loudly about how uninterested they are in this game. Yeah. And then there's the people who are excited about it, but the people who are excited about it almost invariably say, "Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited about this game. I hope it's good." Yeah. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like no one's like, "Oh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be." Amazing. You know, a lot of times, like when you're excited about a game, you're like, "This is going to be the best game. It's going to be amazing." Everyone's like, "It could be good. It could <laughs> yeah. be the best game." Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it will be. I, you know, it's like it, like the people who are excited about this game all seem just like to be really hopeful optimists more than like hype men. Yeah. You know, like it's it's an interesting sort of like this X factor because that's the, the other thing about this game is why I think a lot of people react so viscerally to it in the arguments and conversations about it on the internet right now is uh, it's an X factor. Yeah. And we don't really it's get those big anymore. big time X factor. But yeah. we don't really get those anymore. Usually, how many games this year are coming out that you're like, I don't know. I don't Here's know what's going one thing I'll like. say. I don't know if I've ever seen a game be played so much. And still not and quite. And still not have a clue whether <laughs> I really want to play it or not. Yeah. Well, because I think part of it is 
Which scares uh, me because it makes yeah. me think that like maybe there really isn't all that much to it. Like, but I think there is that much to it, and I think we've seen it, and it's there. My question about this game is, does it feel good? Yeah. Does it feel good when you play it? Is it going to have... Are the controls... Do they have that, you know, that kind of sticky quality where, like, you play it and you feel like you're in control and you feel like, you know, what you're doing on the control pad or on the keyboard and mouse, like, really translate into what you're looking at and does it feel satisfying? That It's that intangible feel of the gameplay that, like, that of all the developers out, you know, the, I think Nintendo nails the most often because it's, yeah. it's that idea of, like, that they used to say like how they made GoldenEye, where it's like they, you know they made it with like you know gray shaded stick figures, and it was still fun to play. Right. And it's like, is it fun if you strip all the window dressing away? Is it still yeah. fun to play the game? And that's my question about No Man's Sky. It's like I think the tech is there. I think all the stuff they're saying is in the game is in the game. But is it fun to play moment to moment? Is right. it fun? Is it does it feel good in the way that Destiny? feels good when you pop ahead. All right, so we are getting off topic a little bit because what we want to really talk about is the price of indie mm-hmm. games. And this is what spurred it on because people are freaking out over it. But what made me really want to talk about this is Super Hot because that game is like less than two hours long and it's $25. Mm-hmm. I did see on your game eval for it that uh, the value was pretty low. Yeah, I mean, it earned. Much, it got a much, 2 much out of 10. It's yeah. like, you're going to ask me for $25 for a game that lasts like an hour and 40 minutes. Like, yeah, you're going to get a 2 in value. Like, And, and so let's, let's actually start going down through history here a little bit. Let's start with Transistor. Mm-hmm. Transistor, the sequel to Bastion. Um, it was well, really... Follow-up to Bastion. Follow-up, yeah. S- spiritual successor. It was really the first indie game to ask for $20. Because before that, it was always like that $15. $14.99. was the top. And that Mm -hmm. was like what you would pay for the very best indie games. Like, and look, Bastion, Transistor, they're worth $15. They they were the top shelf of indie for $15. I had no problem paying $15 for Bastion. I would have had no problem paying $15 for, for Transistor either. But... So it goes up to $20. It ends up being a big success, by the way. Like, mm-hmm. Transistor did really well, and I feel like that was the litmus test for the entire indie industry. Once everybody saw how that, that game didn't suffer at all by jacking its price up, more games started doing it. Ori and the Blind Forest was kind of the next one. Like, mm-hmm. again, a really gorgeous... I feel, I feel totally fine having paid $20 for Ori and the Blind Forest. But Yeah. Um, look, that is the one game we're going to talk about here that probably was worth the, the money. Ori and the Blind Forest, I would say. Like, mm. But again, like, bef- if Transistor hadn't come before it, I don't think Ori and the Blind Forest would have cost $20. And there was an uproar over Ori as well. People were like, what the hell? $20 for a side-scrolling platformer that lasts a handful of hours. Still better than Super Hot, but <laughs> less than I pay to go see a movie. Yeah, and so exactly what I pay to go see. That's how much my Batman vs Superman ticket costs. Twenty yeah. bucks. Yeah, yeah. And so these two games are great games. That after after you paid the twenty dollars for them, you felt okay with it because yeah. the games were great. They weren't ex- crazy long, but they were long enough that you didn't feel like you totally got ripped off. But what that did was it cracked the door open for everybody else. And so what you start to see the next game. Firewatch, $20. Mm-hmm. Firewatch, two, three-hour game. Again, yeah. for $20. It's not worth it. That's insane. Like, But they never would have done that. They never would have made, set the price for Firewatch at that if it weren't for games like Ori and Transistor coming mm-hmm. before them at that price point. Like, I still don't know how they rationalize Firewatch at $20, to be perfectly honest with you. I think 
you know, you, you run the numbers and if that's the price that it makes sense to charge for like the amount of time or effort or money you put into it, plus you think people will buy it, that's the price you charge. And, and I think Firewatch has sold quite well. It has, but remember that they're also the studio that had the issue with the fan like requesting the refund mm-hmm. and then them being nice to the fan and the fan being like, okay, you can keep my money, but... So there has been a little bit of a pushback on Firewatch with some people. I don't, mm-hmm. you know, the, we aren't privy to the refund numbers on Steam to know how many people asked for a refund or whatever, but the fact that one case bubbled up to where we did see it puts it a step above most indie games because mm-hmm. most indie games are never singled out as, yeah, this is a game that people ask for refunds for. Firewatch was one of them. Firewatch spurs on mm-hmm. super hot. Super hot. Two-hour game, twenty-five dollars. Very cool looking. I mean, I, I, you know, I really hadn't been paying attention to it until you talked about it on the show, and I'm like, yeah. oh. I, but when I got home, I just couldn't pull the trigger for twenty-five bucks. No, and you shouldn't. Like nobody buy that game for twenty-five dollars. Hmm. Like don't do it. Like there's modes, that, and we we talked about this last week, but there's modes that that are at, that open up after you finish it, but they're the same thing. Mm. You feel like you're playing the same game. And all it's over. weird that like I look at that game, and it's so like, it's not. You know, empty, but it's like, you know, it's 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 a very simple like visual yeah. design. Whereas like with Firewatch, I'm like, well, these guys made yeah, it's twenty bucks, but these guys made a whole forest. Oh, yeah, you can walk through, and, it, and it's not really a lot. This, of this game doing it, super but, hot like, is thirty rooms basically is what yeah. it is. They're I mean, not just rooms. They're like thirty very small. I mean, at least areas. at the very least, you had to have saved some time or money on texturing, right? Oh yeah, <laughs> no texture artists. I mean. You know, if that game was textured, it would probably look like ass as well. I mean, the end. Well, it has to look like that, I think, to, to you know, because the gameplay you, you have to streamline it. You have yeah. to make it look clean so you can like really focus on what's important in the game. But like twenty five bucks for that is a hard sell for me, no matter how interested I am in it. I mean, I'll be perfectly honest with you, Matt. Twenty five dollars for any indie game is too much for me. Like, I just I can't rationalize it. Like, make it. I don't really look at No Man's Sky as an indie game because when I think of indie games, I think of these guys have to like market it themselves and they publish it themselves and they have to pay their own way to fly to conventions. Like mm-hmm. you're independent, you're self-contained, you're like sifted. You everything you do, you got to pay for yourself. There's nobody, no, no mothership there that will mm-hmm. pass you down some cash to, like but to it, help you out. But in that sense, shouldn't they be allowed to charge more because they spent their own money to do all that stuff? But what I'm saying with with No Man's Sky is that they haven't. Like, Sony has flown them all around the world mm. to promote their game. I mean, the funny part is that, like, most people don't realize there's a PC version of this game coming. Think about that. Yeah. Sony has been paying for them to go to Gamescom and to come mm. to E3 and to all their press events and PSX. Well, at this point, and I'm, I, you know, I, I did order the IM 8-bit version. I'm betting on the PC version right now. I mean, it's look, it's not an indie game. Like, No Man's Sky is not an indie game. But it's, They have had so many huge advantages that most indie games never have. But it is an indie game because it's funded independently. Like, that's all that means. I don't know means. if it is, though. It is. That's all that means. No, I mean, I don't know if it's funded independently because... I think it is. Because look, if Sony funds something, they demand it to be on their system. But isn't paying to fly somebody around, isn't that funding? Like, look, if somebody paid for me to go to PAX and promote Sifted, like, you're getting support from them. That's, but are they doing that? Yes, of course. They're not paying their own way to go to E3 and to do PSX. Pro- do, you have, do you know that? Do you I do not that? know that for a fact, I will say. But I... Dude, come on. Like, you know Sony's paying their way to come into town for whatever that they're doing. Like Maybe. I would think. Especially, I, especially back in the day when they were a four-man team, I would think. But I don't have any proof of that. I'm not going to, like, level that at them. I I'm would certainly say, not gonna say 90% certainty that Sony Sure, but I'm still not going to say that that means it's not an independent game. 
because they are still making it on their own without pub- without publisher support on that level. You don't know that either. Although apparently, I mean, you, they may be talking to tech guys at Sony. I think they have, the but everybody gets that if they're doing a place. You know, the guys on Transistor got that too. This is a big game for PlayStation, man. It is, and Sony is going to throw whatever. But I'm just saying, at it all it indie means is independently funded. The Star Wars prequels are indie movies, right? But you're just looking. at... How are you looking at funding, though? I mean, you're you're saying funding is what? What are for you the saying? Game. The budget for the game. But like, I'm part saying, of a game's budget is the marketing budget, and a travel budget, and a location budget, and all that. That's all part of paying not, for a not game. When, not when you put it down on paper. That's ex- you know that's why the marketing budget for a film is not part of its budget. Yeah. It's a different thing. And if, if Sony hadn't been flying them around the country or the world and doing all that stuff, the game would still be coming out. The game's yeah. funding. And it the, would be flying under the radar. Yeah. <laughs> but but, that's, but, no but the game would still exist. The game would still be there. Yeah. This game would still be happening. Yeah. The game doesn't exist because of Sony. The game is a phenomenon, maybe, because of Sony. The game is known because of Sony. But also remember that it's only known among people like it's enthusiasts. It's not about us. You know, and everybody's saying, like, oh, it's an indie game. It's an indie game. It shouldn't be 60 bucks. When someone sees that, your average consumer, the mass market, they have no clue, they have no clue what yeah. the, that this game isn't supposed to be an indie game or whatever. They're looks like Glory is going to As long retail. as it looks like that, they're not going to take it home and be like, holy shit, this should be a $20 game. Like, they don't know that. Well, well, Ori is going that. to retail. And if you already own Ori, in the blind forest, you have to pay an extra another five dollars. Yeah, I'm not to get to get that, the extra frankly. content that's being included in the definitive edition that's going to retail. But there's sort of that weird. Th- I, I don't know why I feel so that. Now you spent twenty five dollars on Ori in the blind like, forest. But it's like I spent nine dollars on it. But like, yeah. I don't know why I feel that way though. Where like, I don't know why I feel entitled to that extra content because there's like that feeling I have where it's like. Well, I bought it before then, before you were anything, and I bought yeah. it, and I helped you, and I like yeah. was on there. I was on board early for. Well, you're but right. it's like in a sense, you're right. But though, that's kind because... of but somewhat, but it's also kind of bullshit because it's yeah. like, well, they put more effort and they spent more money and they spent more time to make this extra stuff, and like that's not free. Right. But why do I think it should be? I can see both sides though, because if it weren't for people like you who bought the game, it would not be even right. have a chance to go. Why well, I see both sides because like intellectually, I know I'm an idiot for thinking right. that, but I still think that. <laughs> I still feel like that five bucks should not be... I'm like, I should just get that. So, like, I don't know. So in a recent episode of Pactor Factor, one of the questions that they asked him was, is there a place for mid-tier games now? And when we talk about mid-tier, we're not talking about like five-hour games. Like mid-tier yeah. games where I'm games... I'm surprised you didn't put in the witness for 40 bucks in there. Yeah. Because that's another step. It really is. I think that yeah. part, that's, that's partly... That's like mid- the bridge between... Right. Like, I think that's part of like... No Man's Sky. Well, I think that's part of why like, people reacted to No Man's Sky in some ways is because like you're just seeing... The, the indie steps. prices step up and up and up, and like I don't think you know I don't think No Man's Sky's price is related to the Witness's price, but from the point of view of, of a consumer, you don't think you don't no, think that they think, looked at that and I were think, like, well, people paid forty dollars yeah. for that game. No, I think I think they knew before the Witness came out how much they were charge for this game. No question. No you, that's like you telling me that I don't know if Sony pay for their travel. Because you could oh, you were, <laughs> a year ago, I could have told you you're going to be able to get away with charging sixty for this game. People are going to well, see you get away with it, but you don't know that that's the case. Like the bottom line is, maybe they were thinking about it before, but when they saw the forty dollar price tag for the Witness, and then they saw the sales of the Witness, if they had any misgivings about pricing oh, this sure at sixty, doubt, they were yeah. like, oh, we're yeah. going for it now. Like, but from a consumer point of view, I think you see that more, you know, as a more direct. Result stepping stone, maybe. Like, yeah. I, you know, it's just like, oh my god, they're like, the indie games are becoming full price games, and now like Axiom Verge 2 is going to be 60 bucks, you know? Yeah. And I don't think that's true, you know? I, I don't, don't either, but I could see Axiom Verge, Axiom Verge 2 being $25 or maybe. $30. But I think it's also because, you know, these things don't look like Super Meat Boy anymore. Yeah. You know, these are. Th- 
I, th I think an argument could be made that indie games might be getting a little triple A at this point. Well, you know? it's also a lot easier to make games that look better now because yeah. the middleware is so good. Like in the expense, and uh, this is one argument I saw over No Man's Sky that I do kind of agree with a little bit is that it is a lot easier to develop video games now than it ever was. Like, your cost of developing a game is way cheap. There's a reason why... I don't know if it's easier when you were one guy in a garage with an Apple IIe and a floppy disk, but... Like, well, I'm talking about today, not back in mm -hmm. the day. Of course, it was hard, really hard to develop games back in the day. I'm talking about now, with all the middleware that you have and the support that you have from those middleware people. Like, there's a reason 16 people were able to make this game. Like, this game 10 years ago would have taken, like, 200 people to make. But first of all, the technology wasn't there to make it That's at all. That's the thing, but yeah. The, t the procedural generation means, like, you don't need a large... Because you don't have to handcraft every one of these worlds. Right. So, like, you know, that's... It's, uh, I'm just saying the art and all the objects mm -hmm. that they throw into the pot to mix them up and spit them out into the procedurally generated worlds. Like, just the art assets and all that stuff. Like... You could never make this game with that small of a team. So a lot of people are, are like, well, look, you know, yeah, it's only 16 guys, but 16 guys today is kind of like 100 guys, which mm -hmm. I don't necessarily agree with. It's like 100 guys 10 years ago. So the other thing I want to really get to here is mid-tier games, which is what I was talking about earlier with Michael Pachter. And they asked him, you know, is there a place for mid-tier games? And he kind of said, you know, the indies have kind of stepped in to fill mm -hmm. that void. But there's a difference between what we used to call mid-tier games and these indie games. And look, the indie games, you're right, they look like they're AAA games. They're graphically, they, they're you know, not all of them. There's still indie games mm. that look pretty crappy. But some of them do look up to scratch with you know, a lot of AAA games. But when you play them, you realize that they're, they pale in comparison to most games that you pay $60 for. And that's the difference between what used to be called the mid-tier game and today's indie games, is that the mid-tier games... It wasn't that like they had necessarily smaller teams on them or it cost less to develop. Sure, maybe a little bit less. But what it really came down to was that they knew that the topic was niche. Like, for instance, I bring up this, this example a lot, like, uh, like Beach Spikers, like mm -hmm. Sega's volleyball game. Like, you were the fourth person to mention that game to me in the last two days. Really? I don't get it. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, know why. Either. Beach Spikers is on everybody's mind. <laughs> But that's like something I always talk about when I talk about mid-tier games because it was like this $30 game that, you know, it's a niche game. Like, most people don't care about volleyball. I have friends mm. who are like professional volleyball players. That's all they care about when they buy a console. They're like, which one has the best volleyball game? Which, like, none of them. They don't, you, yeah, because the mid-tier has gone away. And it wasn't that, like, they were less quality. They were just, they were just based on something that a smaller audience would care about. Mm. And so they were priced accordingly. And I feel like a lot of indie games are kind of the same way. Like, I don't feel like people who like Call of Duty, I wouldn't recommend No Man's Sky to someone who plays a lot of COD, for instance, or someone who plays a lot of Gears of War or anything, or even like a Halo, I don't think I would recommend it to. It, it still is, it's like Journey. That game's kind of polarizing. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that game was given perfect 10s by a lot of people, but the average player who would pick up Journey would be like, what the F mm -hmm. is this crap? Like... <laughs> And so in the past, they've been really smart with games like that and said, look, this isn't going to appeal to everybody, but it's going to appeal to somebody. And so we've got to price it at a place where they feel okay paying X amount of dollars for it. And so what I'm seeing are these indie games creeping up to the cost of that old B-list game mm -hmm. and being like a fifth of what those games were. Like some of those like B-list games were like insane Japanese RPGs that you could play for like 80 hours. Like... Yeah, but they also cost the same as the big games. No, I'm saying, like, those B-list games, a lot of those Japanese RPGs would cost, like, $39.99 when they first came out. Like, like they were what? cheaper. Like, 
I'm the one who bought all those things, and they all cost the same. They all cost 50 bucks. No, they didn't. No. I paid 50 bucks for every damn copy of Suikoden. Well, Suikoden, of course, that's a big franchise. But some of the smaller ones, like uh, Breath of Fire, like I think that one yeah, on PS2 came out at $39.99. Which one? The Breath of Fire 4 or whatever that I was? I think so, yeah. That might have been. Because Capcom did do that quick experiment with, like, we're going to... Release lower cost, like mid tier. Yeah, Capcom tried that for a while. That's right. But what I'm saying is that like these games that were coming in at that thirty, and look, the indie games are creeping up to it. That thirty dollar price range were more robust games than you're getting from these indie games today. I think so, it depends. I mean, you're, you're, you know, at the same time, you you could bring up Breath of Fire Four, but you also bring up something like God Hand, which is a six hour beat 'em up, which yeah. is also I think forty dollars when it came out. Right. Um, which or you could bring up a game like Rocket League. Like there's an indie game yeah. where you get like tons of forever. play out of. Yeah. Yeah. If you really connect with it, I don't know. I mean, you know, and I, then I go back to the whole, you know, you pay the same amount for a movie ticket, whether it, you know whether the movie costs three hundred thousand dollars or three three hundred million dollars, and whether you know, it's seventy minutes long or, or three hours, three long. three hours. Long. I mean, you know, Batman versus Superman costs one hundred fifty million dollars to make, but The Purge costs three hundred thousand, and you paid you paid fifteen bucks to see that yeah. for opening night, one way or the other. So, like the pricing, t- you know, but again, fifteen bucks. Is you know you could see that as a bargain if you're seeing a really expensive movie, but then how come you don't pay only five bucks to see the indie movie? That's actually a good question. Why is that? Well, because there's a, there's an infrastructure there to, to deal with it, and it's just how it's always been. Because it's bullcrap. Because it's always I, that's how see, it's always I been. I hate, and I've said it on the show before. I hate that statement. It's the way it's always been. Like yep. anytime I ever hear that from anybody, I'm like, no, that's wrong. Like yes, but it's the film industry right. like, of it's, all the industries in the world. Like that's the one that's never going to change. It's a dinosaur, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, look at it's. And I see a similar thing with like with the indie game movement here. I see a similar thing happening with like Deadpool, where Deadpool is an R-rated superhero movie that suddenly comes out and does the best business of any R-rated movie ever. And now you're just going to already start to see all the studios taking the wrong lesson from that. Well, I think Marvel said they're not going to do any. Marvel's not going to do it, but the other studio. I mean, I I guarantee you. Deadpool is going to result in a Spawn movie, an R-rated Spawn movie. I think that's already being worked on. Like, oh, that's been in development movie. hell for yeah twelve years. But like, I think you're seeing the same thing where like you're taking the wrong lesson from the idea that like I'm wondering if anyone will take the wrong lesson from No Man's Sky being sixty, where it's like, oh, we can charge sixty dollars for our indie game now too because it looks good. But that's what's been unreal. happening. That's what I'm saying. Like, you can see. I the don't progression. see. I don't know if that's what's been happening. I mean, I think that's what happened with The Witness because like. I don't feel I. I mean, I played it because we had to talk about it, but I'm not too happy I spent forty dollars in that game. Yeah. Um, no Man's Sky, like being sixty. On one hand, you're looking at something where you look at it and like you can't tell the difference necessarily between it and a big budget, full price game. But on the other hand, the optimistic part of me is like, well, maybe Sony's playing this, and they're like, this this play experience is on par with a triple A, you know, game. Like, and so we're going to charge that much for this because we think that's what it's worth. Yeah. And that's a very uh, optimistic way of looking at it, I admit. But like, if yeah, I get that game in my hands and, and I'm playing, I'm like, yeah, this feels like it was made by a 200-person studio with like, you know, massive publisher support. Like, I won't be unhappy. I paid 60 bucks for it. If it feels like, you know, like somebody, you know, cobbled together a new version of Battle Tanks uh, <laughs> for 20 bucks, I'm gonna be pissed. You know, it's like. Yeah, I, I don't know that until I play it, but I wonder if people are going to take, like you're saying, the wrong lesson from this game being priced at sixty. And it's because it's like Deadpool didn't make a ton of money because it was an R-rated superhero movie. It made it because it was a good. It's a movie. good movie, right? Like maybe No Man's Sky is being priced as because Sony believes it is a AAA experience that simply hasn't been made in the normal fashion. But then you're going to start seeing people like you know maybe uh, The Witness Two thinks it can be sixty. 
in 2025 or yeah. whatever, you know, whenever that would come out. I'm just seeing the prices creep up, and like to me, I thought indie games at first were the sweet spot. The $15 spot to me should be the maximum price for a good indie game that lasts, you know, the six to eight hour length. Mm-hmm. Well, how far back does the $15 price go to like what 2010 or 2009 ish? Yeah. Because, like, inflation-wise, you're probably creeping up to about 20 bucks being the equivalent to a $2,009. Yeah, but game prices don't... Inflation never has never affected game prices. Well, no, but... I mean, like, game prices have basically stayed the same forever. Well, but that's not true. Well, I mean, they've stayed the same literally the number. Yeah. yeah. But a $60 game today is not... You're not paying the same amount of, you know, what the currency is worth that we did. You know, like, a $60 game for the Super Nintendo... Uh, I think if you do the inflation trans, if you do the inflation from like 1992 to now, that's like 115 dollars right. in 2016 money. Well, there so was like technically, 64 cards that cost. Like oh, that's not even getting. Yeah, I mean, I I bought Final Fantasy Star Four the day it came out for 99.99. Mm-hmm. That was the that was the suggested retail price. Yeah. that's 150. That's the same amount I'm paying for No Man's Sky. Yeah, in 2016 dollars for the and, and No Man's Sky comes with a metal ship. Fantasy Star Online just came with a slipcase. <laughs> so, like, you know, games have never been cheaper on a, on a dollar-to-dollar, you know, yeah, yeah. comparison. Um, and it's just... They're it's, also selling a lot more of them are, now. Yeah, the to. volume's definitely there. If you, if you can break into that public consciousness beyond, like, people like you and me, yeah. uh, you know, there's there. And I think, I think that's part of the strategy with No Man's Sky, too, is I think if they market it, you know, to the retailers as this is a $60, this is one of our big... Pushes is one of our big games because it's not like you really, you know, the console space in the retail space, it's not like you have to worry about competing with the PC version really because yeah. no one carries those anymore. Um, you know, I think they're going to get more interest from the retailers, you know, in carrying this full priced game as one of their big tentpole PlayStation 4 games. Whereas if it was like priced at like a, you know, a 30, 20, $25 range, I think they might be automatically overlooked by a lot of distributors in that regard. I mean, the other angle of this too is you know there's always humble bundles and Steam sales. Oh yeah, eventually and... it will be twenty bucks. Right. Because, I mean, I just feel like. This... And there will still be planets to discover. I promise. Because yeah. we're never going to see a third of them. I just feel like a lot of this recent pricing is going to embolden developers to do stupid things like charging twenty dollars for Firewatch. Like, yeah, well, I wonder if it's going to embolden them like plan to charge more money, which means you put more money into development, which means when it doesn't sell at that price, you go out of business. You pay the price. Yeah, I mean, look, you can say Firewatch so well, but you don't know if it would have sold if they'd have generated way more revenue mm-hmm. if it was fifteen dollars and right. just more people would have bought it. Like you just when you also don't know, like know. you know if. Are there people out there who bought Firewatch who maybe they didn't ask for a refund, but they still feel kind of burned? Ha, Firewatch. Firebird. Um, <laughs> but they still feel a little burned by that they spent $20 on it, so they're going to be more uh, wary next time a $20, $20 indie game comes along, and maybe you're not... That, that indie game's not going to sell. I mean, expensive. super hot, especially, man. If some people pay, oh, that, yeah. pay for that at full price, like, I guarantee you, the next time they go to buy an indie game, they're going to think long and hard mm-hmm. about it, because... You know, the reviews were super hot. Were like through the roof, man. Yeah. Like all the scores, like eight, nine, like whatever. But you like, always have to remember that those people aren't paying to play it. Yeah, it was interesting. I actually saw an editor from from uh, Polygon, either on Facebook or Twitter. I can't remember which, asking their users if they should consider like value in their reviews. Yes. The, no, the f- no. <laughs> like he was like, no. 
that no, we shouldn't consider that. And then honestly, like a lot of the responses, you're a product critic. You're not an art critic. Dude. A lot of the responses from like his followers and his friends on Facebook were like, no, 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 you should never consider that. And That's, I'm like, no, I, don't, I don't agree hey. with that at all. Because I mean, in the end, what you're doing when you write a game review is you're trying to help someone decide whether they're going to purchase spend it. Spend the not. money. See, I, look, I don't people, care how artsy something is. Like you have to. Yeah. I mean, it's like it. You know, cars are works of art too. But every single car evaluation is always going to take into account the price point of the car. Yeah. Because I mean, yeah, everybody's sort of. It's like sixty bucks, fifty bucks. It's not going to break the bank, and then you scale up to a car's see, price. See, Matt, and it's, it's the new game. But it's journalism. not different. It's, it's just, <laughs> you're just it's product reviews like that. In the, I mean, I believe games are yeah. art too. You can't. I mean, two hundred people, two hundred artists cannot work on something for three years and not come out with a product that is art. Yeah. But my job is to tell you whether you spend money on it. Yeah. See, that's that's my stance on evaluating games. Is it's my job to tell you whether you should spend yeah. your money on it or not. That's honestly my whole job. That's, that's where what I look at. that's where the buck stops. Literally. That's how I look at it. Like, yeah. I I don't care about evaluating games as art. Like, I don't give a crap about any of that pretentious bullshit, for lack of a better term. Like, my job is to tell you whether you should buy a game or not. That's it. I I do care about that stuff, but I think it goes hand in hand with saying whether it's not worth the price. I mean, right. well, I think fi- I think uh, not Firewatch. I think Super Hot. Firewatch and Super Hot, I keep confusing because they're both heat. Yeah. <laughs> Super Hot, like I think that looks really awesome. I think yeah. it is a really cool, like not just a piece of art, but it's also kind of a deconstruction of the shooter. It in is, a lot of ways. yeah. But I still don't want to spend twenty five bucks on it. Like it's like it's like how I, you know, there's like you know, like Spotlight. I knew Spotlight was going to be the best picture. I totally want to see it. I want to, you know, know what it's about. I like Mark Ruffalo and I love Michael Keaton. Uh, but I don't want to spend fifteen dollars seat in a cinema. I'm going to watch it when it's on free on demand. Well, I can like, drink a beer. Yeah. Yeah. Like, <laughs> So, so it's like it's not, and it's not like I disrespect the art for that, but it's like watching Spotlight in a theater doesn't make it any better than watching it at home. Whereas watching some big stupid action movie on the in the, the giant screen theater is awesome. And I'm so so well, it's, it's like it's they're, just, they're saying that like they and feel... film critics always take into account the cost of spending that money on a film ticket or going to the theater when they're re- inter- when they're reviewing a movie. At least the good ones do. Roger Ebert always knew you were paying. X amount of money to see this movie, right. and was it worth your time and money? Well, the new games journalism, quote unquote, new games tr- live journalism tries to evaluate games based on something that is completely subjective. Art, mm-hmm. like one person could look at a painting and say that's the most amazing painting I've ever seen. I'll give you two thousand dollars for it. Somebody else looks at that painting and is like, I wouldn't even pee on that painting. Mm-hmm. So to find something that is objective, like what value you're getting out of something that you're across X amount of dollars that you're paying for it, that seems like the more logical way to try to evaluate anything. Well, see, I don't think that's objective. I think that's subjective, too. Like, we're going to come out of No Man's Sky, and you might hate it and think it was a total waste of 60 bucks, and I might think it's the best 60 bucks I spent all year. Well, no. I could still look at that game and see how people could get X amount of entertainment out of it. That's yeah, but, what value is about. But that's because you're seeing another subjective point of view from your point of view. You're, you're able to put yourself look, in someone else's shoes. Super Hot is an hour and 40 minutes, like, no matter how you slice it. Yeah. I mean, that's, I paid $25. that's objective. It's objectively an hour and a half long. Yeah, but is that a good use of $25 versus I spent 25 bucks to see an hour and 40-minute movie? Well, that's, not, that's why you don't evaluate a product entirely based on value. It's just one element that goes into it. But to completely ignore that element, which I personally think is one of the more important elements of product evaluation, seems crazy to yeah. me. Yeah. Crazy. Well, of course. Like, it's got to be part of it. Right. Like, but you, it's not. You have to say how... I mean, does, the, does that... Polygon's saying it's not. Does the Polygon review say, like, not even say how long it is? 
I don't, Ivan Red. I don't think their reviews do say how long games are. Because actually. that's, I mean, and well, the other thing I don't is know, like, I can't say that for the sure. other thing I have to say on that is like, you know, okay, if Polygon doesn't want to review games like that, if they want to review games as though they're reviewing a painting with Which no is set what price. What they're saying, yeah. Um, fine. I mean, sure, they can do it. Whatever ju- they want. It just means I got to read a couple other reviews. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and there's, you know, there's the other, you know, there's time to completion that website that tells you the average of time it takes people, to, normal people. I didn't to even know that site exists. There's a, I don't remember if that's actually the website. Um, I'm sure someone. But there's a site that gets. It's completion a site times. that people put, you put in like how long it took you to complete, whether you played it like just straight through, whether you played it at, at casual or, or a speed run, and whether you played it like for completion. And it has like four or five different compl- average completion times for every game. I've never seen that site. Say, I'll, try, I'll dig it. I'm sure someone will post it in the comments. But it's like it just kind of you can look at it and start, I mean obviously the game has to be out. Yeah. That. It doesn't help you on launch day, but it, you know, like it can give you an idea of how long a game is if you're like if you're highly skilled and speed running through it, or like if you're just like trying to collect everything. Um, it's a useful metric. So like I'll go there after I read the Polygon review, I guess. You know, right. it's like and that's that's the nice thing is like uh, we were talking before the show where it's like you know there was a day when I was a when I was a youth when I was a young man <laughs> back in the day 20, 25 year ago <laughs> when. Um, uh, I went into a store and I wanted a new computer game, and I would look at the box and I would hope that the screenshots on the back of the box were looked, real, were real, <laughs> uh, or at least would look like what my computer could run right. when I got it home. Yeah. And I would take that, I'd take it home, and if I opened it, I could never return it again. And I was fifty People, bucks down the drain. You're so spoiled. Now you can watch no a video, idea. you can read all these reviews, you can look at the YouTube, you can look at the streaming, you can look at the. But you got to realize, even in so the much N64 information now. PlayStation era. Yeah, you real the beginning of it, like towards the end, websites started coming around. But even still, the websites didn't have much video of the games. Like, no, video was unknown. Yeah, like people was... could write about it, but to actually see the game in motion was unheard of. You have to watch a TV yeah. commercial to see the game in motion. Remember, it was like a big deal when we were at Tech TV. It was a big deal that we put up the video reviews. No yeah, yeah. one did that. Yeah. You well, know? Nintendo used to. It thought this was worth it. Put out VHS tapes. Yeah. I still have, like, an old Banjo-Kazooie VHS tape. Mm-hmm. I have another, like, a Nintendo Sizzle VHS tape that had, like, the N64 lineup on Like, it's yeah. crazy how much that, things have changed. The first, You're yeah. so informed now oh, yeah. before well, you the buy fir- You know what the first time I ever saw uh, Super Nintendo footage was? Someone, a friend of mine who had a, his dad would go to Japan on business trips. They were yeah. a Chinese family, and, and they, his, Japan, his dad had business in Japan and all through Asia. And he'd bring back... He would bring back bootleg VHS tapes of Super Famicom footage. <laughs> so we we would we sat. I'm not kidding. We sat there and we watched a three hour uh, recording of someone playing Super Mario World and Act Razor. Yeah. Like that's the and then like his dad eventually brought him the system and so then we played that when that first came out. Uh, but like the we passed that VHS tape around to like fifty kids. Yeah. Like like it like we would yeah, worn out. We put it. We, at one point, I brought it to school. We put it in like the AV room, like yeah. recorder, and like twenty people came in and watched Super Mario Bros. <laughs> I mean, I guess you know nowadays I'm just like, who the fuck would watch people play video games? Like, and then I'm like, oh, I watch people play video games because you couldn't. Yeah. You couldn't play it yourself. Well, there's no chance to ever see it. Yeah, no, it was too it. new. And like that, that was like you know that was how we saw Super Nintendo for the first time. And that was more information than we had about almost any other... Super Mario World, when that first came out, because I had watched it, I was like, oh, I'll show you how to do this secret thing. Because I'd watched a guy do it in Japan and record it on VHS. And like... That was I mean, more information than we Nintendo Power ever had. Magazine. That was oh, yeah. a big resource. Or but. like VG and C, Video Games Computer Entertainment Magazine, where they would do those strategy guides where you would, it was like a hundred screenshots, yeah. like, and it was just like, you know, 
four screenshots per page and they'd walk you through every single level and they'd take screenshots of the whole level like they'd walk a little bit a little bit and then they like paste it all together to have yeah, a yeah. full map of the whole <laughs> side scrolling level That's so funny. like do you imagine how long that took back then without the computers to do that yeah. uh, they would literally do that with like interpositives they would do that it was crazy and that was like that w i would read those and like decide what i wanted to play or buy off of like oh that level looks cool because i can look at it like that like there was yeah. no such low information and now you're looking at like you know something like No Man's Sky you want me to spend 60 bucks on it but it's like at least I can watch like a couple hours of video footage and decide a lot of people that's still yeah. not enough yeah, well, the times I mean, they have changed that's the thing is I'm super excited about the game but I'm like I know I get what these people are questioning I understand yeah. why they look at this and they're like but what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, you do this, this, and this. But it's like the question is like, what does it all add up to? Right. And like that's a big, and I think that's a valid question for a lot of games these days. A lot of these indie games where you're like, like the witness. That's a good question. But what do you do? Well, you solve line, line puzzles. puzzles. Well, yeah, but then what? Well, then you solve the next one. Yeah. It's like, but <laughs> what? You know, yeah. And, and you know, this I still high, say that after playing it, I'm still yeah. like, what? <laughs> this high concept shit is is tough to get your mind around. And, like, and that's why I'm saying, like, the prices of this stuff going up is insane because and it's like you said, like, somebody takes a gamble on one of these $25 indie games and it's not for them. Like, yeah. they can turn their back on future indie games. So we got to move on. We probably spent too much time on this topic, but I think it was a really interesting one and probably yeah. one that we'll talk about again. I think, yeah, I think this is definitely going to come up again and again beyond No Man's Sky. Because it's like the dam is broke now. Yeah. It's well, like, like you, you say, got $40 The Witness, you got a $60 No Man's Sky, somewhere out there, 2025 is commonplace now. Oh, somewhere out there, like is like you said, somewhere out there is someone thinking maybe they could get away with a $60 price tag for their indie game, and just like you know, the No Man's Sky maybe saw The Witness and, and Sony was like, oh, I think we can do that. Yeah. Uh, maybe someone's looking at No Man's Sky and thinking like, oh, I, if, if they'll buy that for 60 bucks, they'll buy this for 60 bucks. Yeah. And... Who it knows could if be they're a downward right spiral. Yep. Alright, let's move on to the next topic. Our our weekly Nintendo rumors topic. <laughs> Literally, I think we've done this like four episodes in a row now because every week some new leak happens. Uh, we'll talk about the Nintendo Direct in a bit, but one of the recent leaks that did once again come true was a new Paper Mario game for Wii U. So almost all these leaks are like panning out so yep. far. And the latest one is that Beyond Good and Evil 2, a game that was announced in 20... 20 a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really even long... remember when that was. What was that, like 2010? I think so. Yeah. So the rumor is, and again, this is one of those, is coming from somebody who has been dead on about multiple rumors in the past. And so... how weird is it that so much is leaking out of Nintendo right now? Yeah. Because they're usually airtight. I think it kind of needs stuff to leak out at this yeah, point. Yeah, you're right. So the rumor is Nintendo is paying to fund the development for Beyond Good and Evil 2, which would ultimately make the game a Nintendo NX exclusive. The game has been in development hell for five, six years? At least. Just... Four months ago, I think it was, Michelle nope. Ansel came out and when said... When they premiered this trailer, this looked way better than we knew any game could look at the time. And now... And now it kind of looks like, oh, maybe it's indie. I don't yeah. know. <laughs> That's how long it's been announced. Yeah, well, this was like CG, basically. Yeah, yeah this was CG. When this trailer was debuted. This wasn't even plausible as, like, in-engine no. like, looking graphics. at that character model, you're like, there's no way that could be real-time on a, on, a, on a console. Now... It's like that's Naughty Dog would destroy that. So, yeah. 
So we're talking about a game that basically was in development, went out of development. Michelle Ansel just a few months ago came out and said, oh, no, 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 we're still working on it. That's another thing to me that lends credence to this was just recently he was asked about this game. And in the past where he'd be like, oh, we're not really talking about that. This time he said, oh, yeah, it's still, mm -hmm. still a part of the plan. And then three months later, this rumor leaks out that Nintendo's funding the development of it. So I am let I am leaning to the side of this being legit first of all. But the question I have is is this a good idea for Nintendo to fund this game? No. I, I agree 100%. Not, not in any way. It is I love Beyond Good and Evil. I will I will kill human beings to get Beyond Good and Evil 2. But I don't know why in the world anyone would, why Nintendo would want to do this. To put this Didn't they learn their lesson from Bayonetta 2? That's exactly what I was saying. To put this in perspective, I did some research today Whoa. to prepare for this episode of Game Face. And the research pulled up that this game literally has sold like 300,000 copies across its whole lifetime. With all those remakes and After re releases. After the Xbox and... 360 re-release, the first month this game was released across three platforms, it did 40,000 in sales. Wow. And they released this up against, like, Prince of Persia It came out in the right? holiday time against one of Ubisoft's own the games. Same, same day as another Ubisoft, as Prince of Persia, I think yep, it was. it was, yep. And it sold 40,000 40, copies in its first month across three platforms. Unbelievable. That's the second... Uh, you, you used to do that in a weird way. Like, it still does it. Well, they just did it with Far Cry and, yeah. and uh, The Division. Yeah. But I remember, remember when... Uh, it doesn't it? learn its lessons, On apparently. On N64, I think it was Rayman 2 came out the same day as Rocket Robot on Wheels. Uh, which was by Sucker Punch. Yeah, Rocket's an underrated gem, Rocket by the way. is great. Yeah, it's and a really good game. put that on Virtual Console, but they never will. Yeah. Um, That's one people would buy. Yeah, Because <laughs> you great. can't find it. That game is crazy rare. Yeah, I don't usually do it, but when I went up to, I went up to Sucker Punch uh, to do some interviews for one of the Sly games, and I brought my cartridge of, of Rocket it. and had, had him sign it, and they're like, and the, the guys are like, I can't believe someone played this. The red <laughs> cartridge. The red cartridge, red, yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh my god, someone someone has this? I'm like, dude, that game was amazing. It was really that good, That was yeah. physics-based platforming before anyone was doing yeah. it. We're getting off like, topic, but... Yeah, yeah. but like, <laughs> and it's also, it's like, you know, these great ideas for games that UB has buried over the years, and Beyond Good and Evil is another one of them, I think. And I don't know what you do for a sequel. Um, hopefully... Well, it's supposed to be a, tri a trilogy from the get-go. Yeah, well, it doesn't... Yeah, it does feel like an act one if you play that whole game, the first game. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't and understand. For those of you who don't know, by the way, because this game did come out so long ago, Beyond Good and Evil is basically a Zelda clone with photography. Yeah, it's probably the best. If you're gonna, yeah. the elevator pitch, I guess, is the best mm -hmm. way to put it. And but, some and really good character. Like the characters yeah. are really cool. Jade and Paige. The production values were great. Like yeah. voice acting was incredible. The graphics were great. Maybe, the animation maybe a little was too awesome. much. Um, a little too much stealth sequences. Yeah. In there. But it but it works like it, it you know it wasn't bad gameplay. If you play it now, it's not an amazing game. Well, the problem I would say that much. The it's, problem it's, I have it doesn't with hold it. up like Ocarina of Time. Or I tried to play it uh, recently and I can't because um, I play inverted Y. Yeah. But when you invert, there's no individual axes inverting on the first on Beyond Good and Evil One. You, uh, when you invert the, the Y, you also both. invert X. Oh my and I can't God! Do that. Who would ever design something like that? Lego. That's the Lego insane. games are like that too. <laughs> That's so dumb. So it's hard to play if you're an inverted Y player, but otherwise, yeah. yes, go play Beyond Good and Evil 
Probably on PC. Yeah. It's on Steam for a very reasonable price. I think like nine ninety nine. Yeah, it was on Xbox three sixty as well. They put out like an HD version of it. Mm-hmm. Seven twenty. It's all the version. same thing. It is, yeah. Um, but it's super cool and super fun, and the photography is great. Like, it's a really inter- It's like you wouldn't think you'd be able to build a whole game around it, but it really does work. Well, the camera ends up doing like a bunch more stuff, more than yeah. just taking photos, and that kind of extends sort of the. the it's kind of how you like level up skills and there's right. different and get money. And but I honestly, just like the photography part of it yeah. because you co- you come into contact with these crazy fantastical creatures, and part in Europe. You, as Jade, you are a photojournalist. Mm-hmm. That's actually the whole setup for the game. Is you're a photojournalist, and so there's. All these weird, like, news reports and stuff in the game. I thought that was a little odd, but... Yeah, well, it's also, like, it takes place in this sort of, like, sci-fi fantasy world where, like, it's very interesting. It's, like, one of those great worlds where it's, like, it's all really interesting, but they never, like, step back and just explain everything to you. Yeah. It's just, like, you, it's like Star Wars. You have to kind of gather how the society works by sort of going through it and sort of picking up, you know, context clues on everything. Yeah. And uh, it's, it, it's also, like, really French, in terms oh, of, yeah. like, like, it's super, it, like, it felt like a Mobius comic <laughs> in some ways. Like, but it, I liked Paige, like, the pig. Oh, yeah. I thought he's a great character. Like, I actually, you know, cared about him and what happened Voice to acting him. was really good, especially for the era. And there's, like, some cooperative stuff in it where, like, you have to, like, work in tandem with Paige and mm-hmm. get through certain sections of the game. Look, it's a good game. I play it now. I think I played it, or tried to play it a couple years ago, and it didn't hold up as well as I thought it would, but it's still a good game. So, and that... That design, that game design, mm-hmm. hasn't worn out its welcome yet. Obviously, Zelda games are still coming out, and people are still enjoying them. So, I could see where the game could be amazing. I just don't think, you know, when you're paying for exclusives and you're paying to fund projects, you're doing that to get people to buy your platform. Mm-hmm. And I just... And you just really are hoping those 40,000 people come back, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> because, like... Here's what I would say, is that it would convince the 12 million people that what we've really discovered is Nintendo's fan base is 12 million. They're mm-hmm. the hardcore who will buy anything Nintendo You're, they're makes. They're going to buy a system that Nintendo makes no matter what. This game would make them buy the console. Or they're going to buy it anyway, but it would make them feel good about buying the console mm-hmm. knowing that it was coming. Is it going to make anybody who's on the fence for buying an NX or choosing between a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One or the NX, is it going to change their mind? Not enough. I don't think it. There aren't enough people that care about that game for that to happen. No one played it the first time around, and why would they care about it now? Like ten years later, like. I mean, I still care, but like again, and the other thing is like, are you going to call it Beyond Good and Evil Two? Because like that even seems like it would alienate more people. Because like, if you're like, oh, I haven't played the first one, so why would? That's the other thing is uh, Beyond Good and Evil One ends on a cliffhanger. Yeah. And um, so I wonder. I mean, I assume you just have to start with like a recap video or something. But I think well, there's if, already big gameplay footage of it released. In fact, there's some in the B-roll that we have there. If you look at the end of the one clip, yeah, there's some yeah, footage of running on, running across the rooftops. Yeah, or something like that. yeah, there's already some gameplay. So the game is kind of like there. I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looks like they put it on the back burner or whatever. But it was in development and actually had looked like it had made some pretty good strides. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if it's just like a thing where like they pretty much had. What they wanted to do down, but it's like Yubi's like, if it doesn't sell three million, like we don't want to talk to you. And so, you know, but if Nintendo wants to come in and like fund it, they're like, who are they to say no? I guess. Yeah. I, I just think it's a weird choice because you know, I mean, I guess it'll get you some print in the in the in the enthusiast press, but it's like, I feel like it's not gonna like get you a lot of people you wouldn't get otherwise. Yeah. So Destructoid broke this story. Ubisoft came to Destructoid and asked them to take the story down. Destructoid said, "No way, Jose." 
which just makes me believe that Destructoid believes in its sources even, even more. Because here's the thing. If a publisher comes to you and tells you the story's fake, take it down, it's not true, most publications will take the story down. Yeah. But that story's still up. I checked it today, and Destructoid has not removed the story. So, Well, if it's a fake, it would be a very impressive one. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm not talking about this gameplay. I'm right. saying about Nintendo funding its completion or whatever. Okay. I mean, it sounds crazy enough to be real. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's been, you know, stuff has been bubbling up about it for a long time. So, uh, sure. I mean, I'm, I'll but play look, it. Look at Bayonetta 2. I mean, you said it right off the yeah. top. Game tanked. Game tanked. tanked. Tanked hard. Hard. Like, like and, and and mostly what it seemed to do. And you I know mean, what? Every other publisher, even Sega, who is typically really stupid with his business decisions, yeah. could have told Nintendo not to do it. But it didn't. Like I Nintendo, mean, if they looked at Sega and said Sega's passing on this, that's a huge red flag. Right. Like and Sega made Sonic Boom. Right. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Come on. Like, <laughs> And well, the beta too is a great game, but yeah. it's just a niche, very niche market for niche it. Market. And also, like I, you know, a lot of people who loved Bayonetta One did not react well to the idea of being blackmailed into buying a Wii U to play the next one. Right. So, yeah. I I don't think that's a factor as much. Well, they wouldn't have played it at because, all otherwise. Yeah. I mean, the game was going right. to be canceled. That, so now you're getting logical, and that's not going <laughs> to work when we're talking about video games. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like with Beyond Good and Evil 2, I don't think that's the same. That's going to be a factor because it's so long ago. It's, I mean, I played it on the GameCube, so it's... it's like, yeah, so did I. So it's not like I'm going to get angry, i got to buy a new system for it. But it's like, I just don't understand. I mean, Why? it's a good game. I mean, maybe it could be like a, a new hit if you wanted it to be, but it's just Look, like... Look, if it had come from, like, Majesco or something, then maybe I could see the angle of, well, Nintendo looks at it like we're much better at marketing this stuff mm-hmm. than Majesco, and so maybe we could have more success with this than they had, but, dude, it was Ubisoft. Like, I mean, is it, like, is this Nintendo's, like, third-party strategy? Is, like, we're gonna f- we're gonna fund, like, third-party games that nobody else games wants. no one else wants to make? That's what it sure sounds like. Because if you if you if you bribe EA to make Starflight three, like I'm in. For, well, here's another nice. one. Devil's That's my Starflight th- reference for the week. That's here's another one. one. Devil's Third. Yeah. Same deal. Nobody Same wanted deal. that. It got shuffled around to publisher to publisher. Nintendo steps in to quote unquote save it. It ends up so embarrassed in it that it hardly even produces any copies to sell. You should buy that, by the way. They did a second run. They're up on Amazon now, but they are not, probably not going to... That, that's going to be one of those valuable ones that no one You bought. should buy it and never open it, because yep. it's not worth opening and playing anyway. No, so. not, don't bother, <laughs> but just like buy it, keep it, and like five years from now, sell it for 200 bucks and like buy some real games with it. Yeah, there you go. So we should move on. Uh, I think we're both in agreement. This is a terrible... If it's true, it's a terrible idea. Nintendo should not fund the development of this game. I wouldn't recommend it. I mean, as a Beyond Good and Evil fan, I totally want to play the game. Me too. I'm excited. I want to play it. But I... Think you're crazy. Business decision. <laughs> That's the smartest decision. Hopefully it's not true. Should have kickstarted it, boys. Well, actually, no. Hopefully it is true, because I do want to play it. Right. And, and Nintendo probably is the game's last hope, so... Yeah. It's like I'm the, hoping it's true. If I'm a Nintendo stockholder, I'm hoping it's completely false. Right. So that's the best way to put it, I guess. All right, let's move on to the next topic. People are probably looking at this saying, what the hell is BDO? Is that a new kind of body odor? Um, it actually may Kind be. of. <laughs> Kind of. We're talking uh, about Black Desert Online. This was a game that I was hoping would, and I've I've hoped this a million times with like dozens of different games, that this would be the MMORPG that I enjoyed playing. Nope. 
Nope. <laughs> now, first of all, Matt, one thing that you told me before we started recording today was that this game's actually been available for years overseas. Yeah, I've, as I understand it, it's been around for a long time in Japan and Korea. I had no idea. I and thought that, this, this, was is, a... this is the English launch. Gotcha. Because, I had no idea. Because I, there's tons of, like, guilds. I mean, there's, there's clearly established players in this game already um, because it's been around for a long time, for a while. Um so I actually did buy, I bought the, the base version, the $30 base version, because I was excited because it's an action-based, you know, MMO, and I like, you know, action-based combat more, and, it lo- you know, I like the, the look of it and all That's that. That's what drew me to it. Yeah. I watched it, and it looked like I was watching somebody play, like, Devil May Cry or something. Yeah, like... um, that's, that's, you're not. Let's <laughs> put it that way. Um, first off, I mean, you know, you can use a controller, but it doesn't really work too well. Like, you really want to stick to the... the you can't game. play an MMO RPG No, it's too many, too many keyboard controls. So you're stuck to doing that thing where, like, you have to use the w- WASD, with the combos and the mouse buttons and it's yeah, just like, modifiers. But it's all kind of like it's all um, it's all links. It's not like real like you know improvised combos. It's like things just like link into each other. So you're sort of just typing instead of comboing as you need to. And like it still feels like a standard MMO in a lot of ways. But it moves so fast. Like even just watching the gameplay footage here, it just it doesn't look like an MMORPG at right. all. But here's the thing, like these are these are pretty advanced skills. So early on, you know, I played a few hours of it and early on it's just like you just you know, bow, shoot, 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 dodge to the side, shoot, you know. Yeah. It's it just it's you know, and I didn't play uh, I played the wizard and I played a um, uh, an archer. And here's the thing. Uh, it is the jankiest thing I've played all year. It is <laughs> such garbage in terms of like what, I, how it feels to play it. And this I wasn't free. It. This cost thirty dollars. I paid thirty. But for, and, uh, most MMORPGs now are free. Yeah, it it feels like it should be free to play. Put it that way. <laughs> but first, I was shocked how long it had been around because it's like it's just not there. And like, here's the thing: I got so my PC is it has two Titan X's in it. It is a beast. It is. On that 3D mark thing where you have to test over Oh, no, 9, your, your computer. Yeah. You don't even have to explain yeah. it. You like, have to you test over 9,000. Mine tests at like 21,000. You literally have about as powerful of so, a PC as you can buy. Yeah, so, there's a, so I put it on Ultra. It's running at 60 frames at, you know, 1440. It's great. Uh, it looks, you know, that, it's all running well. And I'm like, I'm looking around, I'm running around, and all the ground clutter, like, you know, like, like flowers and barrels and, you know, all the little, you know, objects around, yeah. you know, they're popping in like six feet away from me, like the the, le- the, the, the not even like level of detail because like that stuff's happening at a normal distance, but like all the like the little like you know the furniture and everything that kind of makes the, an area look real. Right it's you. just it's just popping up like like far enough away that like you could hit it with a rock. Like it's, it's yeah. really close, and so I'm like oh so there's like a high end checkbox that's like okay this stuff is like. <laughs> You know, it's beta. Some of it's, like, in beta. The effects aren't totally, like, tested, so it might mess up your performance. So I click it. Performance goes down to about 40 frames a second. On and your it machine. On my machine. And it doesn't fix anything. Wow. It just means I can see, like, structures, like, like, a mile down. But the barrels and shit are still popping up six feet away from me. Oh, you know what we forgot to mention? When you first log in for the first time, what do, what do you oh, have to agree to? When you to? first log in, there's like the usual like EULA agreement. All that, but there's another little agreement thing that you have to click that says, you agree that by logging in and playing this this first time, you will not ask for a refund. <laughs> <laughs> Which should have been a red flag and a half to me, but I was, ex- I, I was in new game excitement mode and I didn't care. No, this game has been getting a ton of hype, man. Like, it has. A lot of people have been talking about because it Because the videos look good. It like, really It looks do, cool yeah. to watch it. It's very entertaining to watch. Yeah. But playing it, it feels 
feels like it felt floaty and weird and like there's a like it's you like know, an MMORPG yeah, like all yeah. of them <laughs> but you know but like the pop, and I looked up like there's like I looked up the I looked up on the Reddit for like the pop in thing and it's just people well, it, you can see it in the trailer here look yeah, at all that look at all that look at all the drawing <laughs> there and it's like you, it's even in the like the cinemas like oh, even in the, like the, the cinemas it looks like that and I'm like so I look it up and like there's threads about it on the Reddit and like there's posts about it from like 2014 oh, and like wow. people are like what's with the pop in am I missing like an option or something and people are like no we think that's just what the engines like the and engines they're like, like and they're like are, we, are they gonna <laughs> fix it and they're like mm, probably not and I'm like well what the, what what like. <laughs> And it's just, it just, you know, and it's still, early. I'm sure eventually once you get into it, like, you know, there's probably a lot to do. And you do the fishing, you do the cooking, you do, like, a lot of the mundane stuff and level it up. And there's leaderboards for it and all that. But, like, early on, like, it's literally just, like, the same old MMO. Like, you know, go kill four wolves. And, like, I go, to, I go there and there's, like, no, 20 thanks. of us all standing around a group of respawning wolves just shooting and hacking <laughs> them all to death. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. And, and it's so, like, weird and hard to kind of navigate, like, smoothly that you can... There's actually an auto-navigate option where you just click on this button, on the a button of a running person on the quest panel, and your character just runs there. Like, automatically. You don't even have to do anything. You just, like, let them run. And, like, they... Uh, you know in Witcher 3, like, Ger- Geralt has that, like, inertia where he kind of, like, slows down yeah, and, yeah. and, like, speeds up? So, in this game, you have that, but it's, like four times as much inertia. So, like, if you, like, say, okay, I'm going to stop now, you, you, like, take your hand off the W button, and, like, it takes them, like, almost 20 yards to, like, come to a halt. It's it's weird. And, and it sounds just like every other MMORPG. Pretty much. I mean, you know, and everything, everybody's got the stripper-tastic outfits. You know, the more armor you put on, the less pants you have on. Kind of, yeah. you know, it's, it's that usual thing. <laughs> it's just... You know, and the character creator is like, it's weird. It's like super It's pretty detailed. robust. It's yeah. highly robust, but you can't really do anything with it. Because it's like, you can make a hilariously ugly character, or you can make like, you know, like if you really know what you're after, you can make like a, you know, I've seen people make like, you know, recreations of like celebrities and stuff yeah. and it looks really close it was but like, like the Fallout but if you don't but if you like you can't tool. just like kind of mess with something and come up with something cool yeah like because like you have to have an image Fallout in your 4 head. was like that like it was so many options that it was very difficult to make something that looked good yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and then like you don't even really see the character that much you know because yeah. you're looking at the back of their head yeah um so no i came i played it for about three or four hours and i well i guess i can just say screw it I, I don't need to play. I do not recommend it. Yeah. Do not recommend it. It's, I'm glad I, you saved me. <laughs> I you know, I literally had been pretty much fooled. I hate to admit it, but the no, I got totally fooled on this one. The marketing no for this game fooled me, and I'm a pretty shrewd, pessimistic kind of guy when it comes to this stuff, but that game pulled it over my eyes pretty good, man. I really thought it was something different, like... And yeah, it looks gorgeous, like... It really does. It, it's just crazy. It just goes to show, like, and we'll talk about this with the division here in a little bit, like. But I just say, like, when you're when you're doing these combos and and doing all that stuff, you, to me at least, as someone who plays a lot of hack and slash kind of Devil May Cry styles, like, you don't feel like you're in control. This is not it's the MMO thing yeah. where you feel like it's all floaty, right? And, like, it's this not is this is not and... Dragon's Dogma, you know. Yeah. And it's not like I was really expecting it to be Dragon's Dogma, but I was expecting it to kind of meet me halfway between like MMO and Dragon's Dogma, and it doesn't. So the wait goes on for an MMORPG that has visceral, immediate response. Combat. Yes, in terms of like melee, at least. Yeah. Like, I was ranged. It's hard yeah. to screw that up. Right. Well, as I was, ta- <laughs> I was ta- you know, we'll talk about it later. But I was just talking about that last night with uh, my friend when I was playing the division. 
And I'm like, yeah, this like if someone would make a game as responsive and and you know with as good a feel as this MMO, um, if you want to call it a vision MMO, but like it is, yeah. But it's like if someone would make something that felt this good with swords, I'd play it forever. Oh, we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit. But uh, so I guess you would not recommend Black Desert Online at all to I anybody. Can, I wouldn't. I would, think I would like my thirty damn just, dollars back. Is what I'd like. Do you think maybe people who are just cool with that kind of style of MMO combat, even they wouldn't like it? Like, no, I th- I don't think it's out of the realm of like expectation in that genre, especially uh, if you're kind of expecting like a free to play korean mmo with more production value because it does it does look good yeah. if you can get over the draw and popping <laughs> problem which i can and i'm not a graphics horror person at all yeah. but like for some reason that really bugs me like the the fact that everything the fact that like i run by a house and the like the brick texture is just drawing in as yeah, i run yeah. past it like it's, drives me nuts yeah it's pretty tough especially when you spend as much as you did on your rig right I mean, and, and like, if you take the high-end effects off, it runs at 60 frames a second, but every all the detail is weird, and you're running through, like, a field of, like, tall grass. is just, like, it's just this constant blur of texture changing, and it's just, it doesn't look good at all. Yep. And it sucks because, like, you know, one of the things I like about MMOs, especially MMOs with good, you know, artistic, and it does have a great art design to it in terms of the environments, um... Like, I love standing around in the environments and, like, looking at the different areas and places and, like, oh, the snow world looks good and this looks yeah. good. Like, but like, you can, I can't do that in this game because it all just draws in so ugly and, and right there in front of me, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, don't, don't, I say don't spend $30. 30 bucks. <laughs> I mean, you could also spend 50 bucks to get, like, the super deluxe one that gets Jeez. you, like, a free horse or something. I can't the believe they would charge for an MMO that's that buggy. Well, if, it's not, I don't know if it's buggy, it's just. To me, that's buggy. It Objects did. drawing in. Well, like, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. buggy. I mean, I oh, and I, I did run into a, a quest early on. It was like a, it was like a basically a training quest of like a, of like how to do certain things, and it was like it had you attacking training dummies, and like the, the quest. Not only was the quest bugged to the point that you had to if it, if you did the quest and it didn't work, you had to quit the quest and get it again, and do it again and hope it worked this time. When you get the quest. The quest description tells you if you do this quest and it doesn't work, quit it and get it again and try it again. <laughs> I'm like, the actual quest description tells you oh my if gosh. this doesn't work, try it a second oh time. Oh my gosh. So. Yeah. I think that's all you need to know, Sifters. There you go. <laughs> Stay away. They sent me like a beta invite. I don't know if that actually is like a free thing, a copy of the game or not. I don't know. I wasn't in the beta at all. But, I, just, uh, I just bought a I don't copy. think I'm going to try it after that. And no offense to anybody who happens to be playing it and is really enjoying it because I'm sure, you know, it's not, you know, I'm sure there's elements of this. There's just parts of this game I can't get past and it drives me nuts. But like, you know, if you're, if you're loving it, more power to you because I, I wish I wish I was you. Just, just what you told me, I know it's not. Because at this me. point, I wish I, I wish I'd just eaten at thirty dollars. Like it, it's, it was a waste of time. All right, let's move on. We're going to talk about Nintendo Direct. Uh, this was one of those cases where the show recorded one day, the direct happened basically the very next day. Would have been nice to be able to get it in last week. The news is kind yeah. of a little old, but we still want well, to talk the funny thing is, like, when you sent the rundown for the show, I was like, oh, wow, that was so long ago. <laughs> it, it was, was like, like five days ago. <laughs> it, was like, it was nothing. It was five, six That's days That's the way ago. the industry is, though. Yeah. It's like so much happens, especially if you're on, like, Sifted or whatever. You see so much content going through that it's like three days seems like three weeks sometimes, and yeah. you see so much. So let's talk a lot about some of the stuff. That, first, let's talk about Star Fox Zero. A Star game Fox I have, Zero copies sold. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think that might change, actually. So, 
I've been down on this game. I've you know I've made no no qualms about the fact that the game hasn't been exciting to me the way it's been shown in the past, the way it was shown at E3 last year. Well, here's one thing I will say is Nintendo took a lot of the criticism to heart. Mm -hmm. And it has basically just transformed the game into Star Fox 64 2. Yep. Which I am 1000% okay with. I mean, I was always going to buy this game. Was yeah, um, I was going to play it no matter what. Because I like Star Fox, and I liked what I played at E3 last year. So you know, and I get the criticisms of it. I I didn't disagree with them, but I still enjoyed it, and I was going to play it anyway. But what they showed on the direct is like, oh wow, like no, it's there's Star a lot Fox of good 64. stuff in here. Yeah. Well, the big important thing is that all the alternate routes. And, right. You know, I mean, when they showed the map of the thing, I'm like. Did they just show Star Fox 64 yeah. by accident? Like, like That tugged on my fanboy heartstrings yeah. a little bit when I saw that map. I was like, oh! I'm like, All you need to do is put Lilat in the bottom left and, the, and Venom in the upper right, <laughs> and I'm in. Right there, they're showing it right now. Like, I played Star Fox 64. I mean, look, if you got good at the game, you could beat it in a couple hours. Oh, yeah, and I used to at Toys R Us on yeah, a regular I mean, <laughs> I played that game probably like 20 or 30 times. Oh, yeah. Because there was, like, not only are there branching paths as far as, like, which planet you choose to go to next, in the levels, there's branching paths that you can take that will take you to different bosses that then, when you go back to that Mm. map screen, provides a new option to go to a different planet. So there's all these different ways that you can kind of make your way through the campaign. I was very, very excited to hear this news. Um... The game still looks like ass to me. <laughs> There's just no getting around it. Like uh, the one level they show, like you shoot like those those uh, what are those plants that like eat insects? What are they called? Like Venus fly Venus traps. Venus You shoot those, and then they open up, and they just disappear. Yeah. <laughs> like, what is up with this game's graphics, man? I don't get it. Like, it is like the worst looking for. I have part. no explanation for this, especially when like there's a lot of stuff on the Wii U that looks way better. Exactly. Like, I just have no idea what they're thinking. Like, look, there's hardly any shadows for anything in the game. Like, it is just a bottom of the barrel game graphically, but it looks like it's got that Star Fox DNA now. Star Fox 64 DNA, anyway. And uh, I am now officially hyped for this game, Matt. Yeah. Yep, the Direct totally changed my mind on this game. You're not just saying that because you're so excited for Star Fox Guard? No. <laughs> nice segue, though. <laughs> so, so Project Guard, this weird game that they had shown for a couple E3s, it was basically just this weird like multiplayer game where you have like a maze and all these cameras hidden in a maze, mm-hmm. and the robot, it's a tower defense game. Tower defense crossed with Five Nights at Freddy's, basically. Yeah, I guess you're right. That's the best way to put it. And so... The weird thing was, like, they showed it at E3, we'd never see it at all until next E3, when you're like, are we going to see it again? And they did show it again, and then you didn't see it again, and here's mm-hmm. kind of E3's rolling right back around again. So, but they would always remain on their release list. Like, whenever they would put out their official, like, these are the games we're putting out in 2016, it would say Project Guard. Well, they basically slapped the Star Fox skin on it, and now it's called Star Fox Guard. So... Pretty cool idea, pretty unique idea. Um, I think does it come free with Star Fox Zero? I wasn't. Cl- it said they were. It was bundled with it. So yeah, maybe? but I don't know if you have to pay extra for the bundle. We I probably should have known that before we did the show. My apologies for that. It's either bundled in with the game, but I'm not. I know. I know it comes with the game, and you can yeah. choose. My make- pre-order on Amazon didn't change, so I don't know if they put a different skew up or something. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised. You buy them separately digitally. It sounds like that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, I think it comes bundled if you buy the retail of Star Fox Zero. If you buy it digitally, you can buy them separately. So mm-hmm. if you just want to buy Project Guard or you 
whatever. Like, I guess they're being flexible with the pricing on it. But game looks cool. It's not going to set the world mm-hmm. on fire. I think they made the right move by bundling it in with Star Fox Zero. Um, yeah, looks like the physical copy of 16 comes with both. That's what I figured. So we had, we had it right. We got there eventually. According to Cheater Hater, so you know it's right. <laughs> you know it's right. So this game looks cool. Like, we still haven't seen uh, Project Giant Robot. I wonder if that game's... No. What could that be mixed in with? Mm, nothing. I think they'll mm. cancel that game. You, th- you think it won't be like... Did you play it? No. Do you don't think it'll end up being like Giant Zelda Robot? I don't, know. <laughs> that game was so awful. It was so awkward to play and just weird. Like, it was... It was funny watching people try to play it at E3. Because, you know, it's like a robot fighting game. And you think it's like going to have all this action and energy. And people, when they go to play it, they're like, yeah, we're going to fight robots. And then the robots go... Hmm. And then, like, when they tumble, they just slowly fall over. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that game will be canceled. I need a new robot alchemic drive. Oh, I yeah. Need it, I need it now, by the way. Rad. Yes, <laughs> a robot killed grandma. Yeah, like, that's like, yeah, yeah. I, I need some of that. So Star Fox Guard, just that's just icing on the cake for me for Star Fox Zero. Um, I'm really excited for the game now. Uh, mm-hmm. The Nintendo Direct worked. It actually changed my mind on one of Nintendo's games. So good job there. Let's move the delay on. Se- the delay seems to have been a good move. Yeah, yeah, it was a really good move because if they had released it the way that I played it at E3 last year, I would probably never have recommended it for people to buy. I still may not, but at least it has a chance now. Yeah. I guess that's the best way to put it. Uh, let's move on. A ga- brand new game debut, but I mentioned this earlier in the show, is actually outed by a journalist. Paper Mario Color Splash. New Paper Mario... Is it an RPG? Um, not really. Kind of? I, I mean, guess. You, you still do these, you know, the fights the way that you always did. I mean, it's... I don't know. I've, I've, <laughs> I haven't. I've been out of after Thousand Year Door. I think it was all just downhill from there. Yeah. So. I mean, I like Thousand Year Door. Oh, Thousand Year Door was great, but I think that's the pinnacle of the series. That's kind of where I don't know. I wouldn't say it peaked there, but that's that's where it. it that was the last point before it started its drastic downward slide. I mm-hmm. guess is the best way to put it. Well, I didn't like the Wii one that was mostly just like yeah. a platformer. It wasn't. You know, it wasn't what I wanted. And I feel like this is kind of like that. A little bit. There's a mechanic. There's like a paint hammer that you use in the game um, that has like an effect on enemies and the environments. Um, there's a card element to the mm-hmm. game. Um, it, look, it's a nice filler for Nintendo in a year that they need fillers. Yeah, better than nothing. Yeah, but uh, I don't see it setting the world on fire. No, it's a little more epic Mickey than they maybe wanted it to be, I think. Yeah. Still, I mean, if you're a Wii something. owner and you're looking for something to play, at least it does provide something for you to do. I like the art. I think it looks the game looks good graphically. I think they do the paper style pretty well. Um, that's one of the things that I've always liked about this series is how they... <laughs> play out the paper aesthetic throughout like everything. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you forget that it's like supposed to be built out of paper, and then like a big massive paper airplane will like fly by, <laughs> and you're like, "Oh yeah, I All forgot right. about that." Yeah. So uh, again, a nice filler for Nintendo. Mm-hmm. Its software library is pretty light this year. They needed something, and they got it. It's actually coming not too long from now. No. no. Here's the thing that oh, here's what I should have mentioned about this, and the reason it says not so fast at the bottom of the screen right now. Is because we had kind of written Nintendo off this year. I had, and mm. I feel like on the show both of us kind of had collectively. But look, all these games that we're talking about right now and that were in the direct are all coming like before the summertime. So this game too, the new mm. Paper Mario coming before end of summer. 
Um, same with Star Fox. Same with the next. Same with Star Fox Guard. Same with the next game we're going to talk about, Metroid Prime Federation Force. Another game that was in this direct where my opinion went from huh, to hey. Look, I know the uproar about this game and the stupid petitions and the people going on the YouTube channel and voting the videos down. Stop it. You're being stupid. Hmm. I think this game looks freaking awesome for a, for a 3DS game, man. I am really, really excited for this. Like, it's made by the people who made Super Mario Strikers and Punch Out for the Wii. Um, obviously, with Mario Strikers, they have a good uh, multiplayer pedigree. They know kind of that secret sauce that gets people to keep playing games. Um people are pissed off because it's set in the Metroid universe and you don't play as Sam. I don't really care. Like, I just look at it as like, is this game look like it's going to be a good game or is it look like it's going to be a bad game? I think for a 3DS game, the game looks flipping awesome. They've rebuilt the controls to work with the analog nub on the new 3DS. Um, I don't know what that means for people who try to play it on the old 3DS. Yeah, that's a, that's my question. I guess you just use the stylus. Which sucks. Yeah. That's the worst, trying to use like the stylus on the touchscreen like, for your look, basically. That's usually how it works. Then you move with the D-pad. But uh, I don't know. They had lengthy demos, like six, seven minutes long. They showed it off. It graphically is probably the best-looking 3DS game I've ever seen, at least a pol- for polygonal 3DS games. Um, it looks fast. The frame rate looks great. Um, a lot of things that they talked about. There's a lot of depth to it. There's like tons of multiplayer, like online stuff. There's like share share play where you can play with other people who don't even own the game. Like with some of the modes, Ooh. like it just looks like a AAA Nintendo handheld game that also happens to be based in the Metroid universe without Samus. So. Again, that's game number two where I was really it was really low on my scale, and after watching the Nintendo Direct, I'm really really excited for this game, and I can't wait until it shows up in the mail and I can start playing it. So, what what are your impressions of it, Matt? Give me a real Metroid game or go away. Really? Don't care. So you fall out of the camp? Why though? I don't I don't think that this game shouldn't exist. Like, but you know, I don't think they should cancel it because it doesn't deserve the Metroid name or whatever the hell that is. I just don't care. I don't want to play a multiplayer thing on my DS. I don't. I, all I can see when I watch that game in a while is probably one of the best looking 3DS games, no question. Um, and it's nice to see some of the Prime designs back. Yeah. Um, I, all I can see when I watch those videos is hand cramps. Like I don't, I don't want to play it on that system. Maybe if it was like a Wii U kind of like on, you know, like Wii U, Wii, you know, you know, eStore exclusive or whatever, I might play it like that way. But like. I don't. I don't want to play it on that system. And frankly, yeah, I don't have the new 3DS either. I still have like the mm-hmm. original launch version of the 3DS. And frankly, like you know, again, as Metroid is probably my favorite Nintendo franchise. Oh, period. Wow. I didn't know that. And uh, Other M was a travesty and a debacle. And it. I would not agree with that. I it, actually enjoyed Other M. I hate that game. Really? More than I can possibly explain. I enjoyed it. See, I'm look. I'm not the type of person. It's like that looks at IPs and, like, tries to protect them or guard them or... or I, I don't even really care if, like, what, what a lot of people say, oh, they're ruining the IP or... I don't think they ruin the IP. I think it's a shitty game. I didn't think it was, though. I enjoyed playing that game. I, like, I it wasn't, like, a... Like a triple A, like nine out of ten or whatever. Look, when you, but it wasn't a bad game. Look, and I'm, I'm, I'll leave aside all my complaints about the story in that game because it's a whole different, different kettle of fish. No, that was a joke. The my, story was terrible. My problem is. Um, the whole thing, you know, and everybody complains, and it is a problem where, like, she has all her upgrades, but she will only use them when Adam, like, you know, 
activates them for right. or, you know a, 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 you know approves them yeah. which is bullshit cuz Samus wouldn't do that but like the problem with that is that is a cheap way of not having us find all the upgrades which means you have less stuff to explore you have less area to look around like that to me metroid is go find this thing that then lets you get to the next area and instead this is just like oh just turn the power bombs on is right like- but, but you're saying but see what you're saying is like you're comparing it to what your expectations are of a metroid game i'm just saying as well, that is not an improvement. action adventure game. I thought it was a decent game. I'm not saying it was perfect for the Metroid universe. I'm just saying if it didn't have the Metroid name on it, I enjoyed the game. Well, I have higher expectations of something with the Metroid name on it. Yeah. So I don't. I. But my problem also with Other M is like, yeah, Other M was a bad Metroid game. But then like Nintendo like kind of like retreated into its shell and like won't make another one. Yeah. Like it's like, well, hey, maybe you should go back to the basics and like. Well, it's just like Star Fox. They let like Namco Bandai, when it was called Namco Bandai, make like Star Fox Assault in right. tanks, and so Nintendo's like, well, it's not is done. Like it's not going to yeah. do well. Like. It does tend to jump to conclusions based upon poor decisions it made prior. Yeah, and it's like, look, and I, you know, Federation Force is fine. Like, if you want to make that, if you, you know, I don't know if it began as a Metroid game or whatever. You know, you want to make that, great. But I don't care. I can see your concern where if I'm not concerned. Tank, I mean, no, no. I, let me let me finish. Where where if the game tanks based upon the way Nintendo has operated, yeah. it could mean that we don't get like another legit Metroid. Mm-hmm. I can see that concern definitely. Yeah, and I mean it's 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 an irrational reaction to it. I don't but think it is though, based upon Nintendo. Well, I think track no, record. I think it is an irrational reaction, you know, on Nintendo's part. But I think it's uh, also the likely one. Yeah. If it doesn't sell, um, and I don't I, know though. They have been like even in this presentation, they're like still trying to sell it to Metroid fans. Right, but I don't. Like, you know, they bring out the producer of pretty much every Metroid ever to say, this is very mm-hmm. much in the Metroid universe and blah, blah. And I'm sure it is, but yeah. I don't give a shit. Yeah. If I'm not playing as Samus, I don't care, okay? Metroid is a lonely solo adventure game to me, yeah. and I don't care about a multiplayer mode in yeah. it. And now the multiplayer mode is the whole fucking game. I, you know, I, I played through Hunters. I, it's my least favorite in the series, no, other that. than besides Other M. That game was really hard um, to play. But, like, you know, I mean, I like, I like Metroid Pinball better than Metroid Hunters. Metroid Pinball is great. Fun. <laughs> but, um, like, that's my real concern. My, my real problem with it is, like, you know, it's just not what I want from Metroid. And it like, looks like a Metroid it w- game watching it does, this footage. But it's, like, if it wasn't labeled Metroid, uh, I also wouldn't care. Yeah. I mean, it's just, I wouldn't play it whether it was called Metroid or not. So yeah. if you want to call something Metroid, if, it, if I don't see that red and yellow bu- suit, suit of armor, like, I'm already gone. You don't see it anyway, it's first person. True, but I, <laughs> but I see the, the arm, right, right. and sometimes like the camera pans. Yep. I love Metroid Prime. I think Metroid Prime is beautiful. It is, yeah, timeless. All right, let's so, move on. No, to... no hate for Federation Force. I, it's just I'm not going to play it. Yeah, not I, out I of. Will. I just I don't have time for a game I'm only marginally interested in. Yeah, I'm excited for it. Uh, let's move on. Another game debut: Kirby Planet Robobot. Didn't see this one coming. No. 3DS game, side-scrolling 3DS game, starring the pink puffball. Um, the twist in this one is that he gets a mech suit that he can transform into. Because of course he does. <laughs> uh, the big surprise for me with this game is the extensive multiplayer options, like online like multiplayer cooperative boss battles. Basically, you and three friends can team up and take on huge massive bosses together. And this is another game too that uh, 
people can play with you even if they don't own the game in certain limited modes. Um, Kirby, Matt, what's your overall take on Kirby? Because me personally, like, he's probably my least favorite Nintendo mascot. I like Kirby. Um, yeah. To be fair, I haven't played a Kirby game since, like, the GBA. <laughs> but, like, because here's the thing. That's not a glowing endorsement. Well, I don't, like, really, because I feel like once you play, like, maybe two Kirby games, you're, you kind of got it. Yeah. Like, you got it down. Yeah. Um, you, want, you want to talk about, like, you know, a series that's afraid to break the fucking mold. Like, yeah. you know, all the all the Kirby games. I mean, because he's like, what? He jumps, he floats, he sucks you in, and he takes your power. Like, that's, that's, well, when they do break the mold, he, he, he jumps break the mold, into he gets a, a fucking mech, mech suit. <laughs> but, like, um, but I like Kirby, and I like him as a character. I like him as, as kind of a mascot. I think he's adorable, no matter what he does. Um, my favorite thing in... Um, uh, well, I didn't do it, but when I used to play Smash Brothers Melee a lot more, one of my friends was religious, would religiously play... Kirby, and every time he would hit you with that stupid brick yeah. move, and you'd knock you all the way, he'd do the taunt where Kirby goes, hi, yeah. like and I'm, I'm like, it's, it's great, like, I love Kirby. That's but, the stuff I love about video games, those moments. But um, this is very unexpected, um, and it might get me, it, you know, giant mechs are a thing I enjoy, and yeah. Kirby being cute in a giant mech is a thing I would probably enjoy. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. I'll keep my eye on it. I have very little interest in this game at all. Of course, there's amiibo support. They're putting out four new Kirby oh, yeah. amiibo in honor of this game, which is probably the bigger story. Honestly, is that there's four new amiibo. I inhaled announced. Link and took. The, I don't. I don't inhaled Kirby and copied this. Yeah. Well, basically, yeah. You can drop any amiibo on on your 3DS, and it will bring in elements from those games into. I'm more. Kirby. I'm more questioning the choice of the word inhaled. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> Makes it sound like he's snorting lines yeah. of Link. That's not a, really the way I want to go with Kirby at yeah. this point. Um, There's the four new Amiibo you're seeing right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it could be great. I just, again, Kirby's one of my least favorite properties that Nintendo does. Like you said, the series doesn't really move on very mm -hmm. drastically. It's been kind of the same ever since the first yeah. game. Well, it's funny. I, I was using, I was talking to someone talking about how Nintendo's games never drop in price. Yeah. They just sort of disappear and then they get more expensive on the secondary market. Yeah. And my example was I wanted to get the, the N64 Kirby game. The Crystal Shards or yeah. Crystal Star or whatever it was. Crystal Shards. And um, I want, because it was like, it was like 59 bucks and I didn't want to spend that much for, for a Kirby game. And yeah. so I was like, oh, wait, I'll wait. And it never, you know, Two years go by, 59, 59, 59, and one day it's gone. It was just not at Toys R Us anymore. It was just like, that was it. The price never dropped. They just like sold they the don't. last one, and that was the end of yeah, it. Yeah, they don't. And so I never actually did get that game or play it. And I'm like, you know what? I never did get that game. I'm going to look it up on YouTube. I looked it up, and I'm like, oh, my God. You looked like, it up on eBay. No, on YouTube. I on looked YouTube. up a video of it oh, to, okay. to watch it, because I'd never even seen it in motion, uh, I realized. Okay, I got you. And I watch it, and I'm like, well, maybe it's a good thing I did not buy this game. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what it's going for on eBay now. Oh, probably cart. some obscene amount of... Uh, sealed, a Nintendo game from that era is going to probably run you at least 100 bucks. Yeah. Um, even if it's Kirby. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm lukewarm on that one. Um, again, you know, the 3DS... Needs as many yeah. games as it can get. You know, like the, the you know why why I like Kirby so more than I probably normally would for like a game equivalent to that is I love the music in those games. Yeah, those the the games the music in the Kirby games just like it's the it's the bounciest happiest kind of like like it's like it's like we're on a fun adventure and like we're <laughs> we're not even going to try to take this shit seriously and I and I love that I, I think that's really fun. All right, let's move on to the last game and I just kind of threw this in here because it's kind of interesting. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Pocket Card Jockey 
I just want to give a shout out to uh, Login Lost for uh, pointing out that Kirby sucked Mario. This doesn't really go down well with the kids. It's, good, it's good point. It's good point. Maybe inhaled is the way is the way to go with that. <laughs> that is pretty good. Who said that? That was Login Lost. Nice work. Yeah. So the last game we're going to talk about is Pocket Card Jockey. This game is from Game Freak, the creators of Pokemon. And Ooh. and the most recently released one was called Something the Badass Elephant. What was that Tembo game? the Tembo, Badass yeah. Elephant. Yeah. yeah. That was their other recent game. So this game is a horse racing simulation where you play solitaire. And as you play solitaire, your horse will run faster. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You can't make that one up. No. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to play it, but I'm probably going to get it for my mom for Christmas. It was also pretty uncomfortable to watch Bill Trennan try to describe the horse breeding element of the game. (laughs) (laughs) I I feel like Bill, I love Bill, he's great, but I feel like the whole whole direct was like, Bill needs to get more comfortable in front of a camera. Yeah, he's been doing it a lot. He has. He still isn't, he just hasn't got there. Every once in a while you see him like look off to the, to the, Teleprompter or something. Yeah. It's hard. It's it's, re- it's so hard. Yeah, if you've never done that, it's really hard. Like it, it's not natural to read while you're trying to speak what you're reading and try to still look like you're looking. At, it's you're, I it's, can't do it. You're doing like four things at once, and it's very hard. I cannot. It is do a it. skill. No question. Oh, there's. <laughs> yeah. Oh, really a skill, man. Try it sometime. Stare into a camera and try to read something and look natural. Yeah, it doesn't. Good luck with that one. Doesn't happen. I don't. I don't. I don't want to. It's just it's coming off of Iwata, who was so natural in front of yeah, the camera. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's a it's still the Nintendo directs are still feel like an adjustment to me. It was like working with Adam Sessler and watching him read teleprompters. Oh. It was just freaking mind blowing. Like magic. It's like, how do you do it? I don't know. And it's and like he does it with copy he's never seen before. When I was in college, like we had like a broadcasting class where we tried to learn how to read off a teleprompter. I still have like the VHS tape from that class, and it is so. <laughs> Bad. Yeah. Like, I would keep raising my one eyebrow because I thought, yeah, exactly, <laughs> I thought that, like, I was trying to, like, speak with my face. It was so bad. Like, it is a skill, man. People yeah. who can read teleprompters naturally, it's a skill. Anytime I've had to do anything with, like, that would have possibly involved a teleprompter, I just memorized the, the yeah, text. Yeah, exactly. Because it's easier. That's the only thing. way. <laughs> That's the only way I can do it. So, overall, what do you grade this Nintendo Direct? There's a ton of other stuff, by the way. We, mm. we just scratched the surface. Like, uh... Shimagami oh, Tensei Crossfire yeah. Emblem is coming to the U.S. Japanese only. They're not going to translate it. Translate probably not surprising. My well, my big story from the direct was uh, the Super Nintendo games on yeah, Virtual Console for 3DS. For 3DS, which is fine because here's the thing: there's a couple for Wii U, but yeah, but mostly it's, you know they're rolling out for 3DS. My big thing is finally a link to the past because I've always been like, look with the exception of. Uh, the last three major console releases, uh, Wind Waker, Twilight Princess, and Skyward Sword, you can play every other mainline Zelda game on the 3DS. Yeah. Except Link to the Past. And I'm yeah, like, right. why can't I they play Link to the Past? And yeah. finally, here we go. You've, you, know, you can have that whole series almost on that one system, and that's great. My only question is, how come uh, Europe gets it this week or next week, yeah. and we have to wait till April 14th? Tax day! Yeah, that makes come on. sense. Yeah. <laughs> There was that. Uh, they showed Dragon Quest Seven for 3DS. Yep, that looks good. Which full, has been full hard. remake. Huge. Completely remade. Huge. Rewrote the story. The whole shebang. I mean, it was a so 
I'll give my grade first. Like, I will give this Nintendo Direct, like, a B plus. Like yeah, that's what I would give it to. It's one of the best ones I've seen in a long time. And, you know, going into this, I thought Nintendo 2016 was just garbage. Or not even mm-hmm. just garbage. It was just nothing. Yeah, they came out, uh, I mean, they came out of nowhere. And, I mean, I feel like Ronda Rousey. This point, I just I didn't see that kit coming. Yeah, I mean, all these games too are coming out like before the end of the summer. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe things are looking up a little bit for Nintendo platforms in 2016 I don't know. compared maybe, to what I was thinking initially. Maybe they've really gotten you know. It, 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 maybe it's irrational, but it kind of makes me feel a little better about what the NX might be. I mean, look, it's like. There's, it looks like they're in, their head's in the right place. There's Pokemon Tournament that's coming. They did yeah. a thing on that. They, obviously, they just released uh, Twilight Princess HD. It was a great direct, man. It was just wall-to-wall, like, 30-some minutes of, like, tons of new games. Um, you know, good looks at ones yeah. that we knew about already. Great, great Nintendo Direct. And uh, good to see them getting off on the right foot after Iwata's passing as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't they, know. They seem to have really regrouped. I don't know what we're going to be playing the end of the year on either of these platforms. Oh, but we're going to be playing Zelda, hopefully. Yeah, we'll see about that. On my new NX. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> but uh, as far as the first half of the year goes, Nintendo is a much better position than I had originally thought. So, yeah. kudos. I'm going to be playing my Nintendo systems more than my Xbox, it looks like. Yeah, yeah. Letter grade for the Direct. You want to get plus. one? I'll also go with B+. All right, let's move on to the last topic, the one you guys have been staring at for the last however long. Waiting for uh, us two to talk hours. about the division. <laughs> so we've obviously talked. We talked about the beta already on yeah. the show. Um, we've, we talked about last week about the fact that there wouldn't be any reviews. Which uh, does not seem to have mattered. Big story today: the division launched the best twenty, the best first twenty-four hours for a game in the history of Ubisoft. That's that, a lot. That is saying something. And what Watch Dogs sold like four million in the first week. Yeah. So we're looking somewhere in that yeah. range. Yeah. So there's lots of people out there who bought this game with no. Re- there is still not a single review because yeah. you can't. There's it's no too, way. It hasn't been long. There's enough. no yeah. way somebody. I mean, I'm looking at for our game eval like early next week probably, mm-hmm. and that's after I play for the next two days, play like a maniac on mm-hmm. Saturday and all day Sunday, hopefully. Finish it off on Monday. Get the gaming valve up on Tuesday. I mean, I'm level 13 already, but I even I haven't even touched the dark zone. What's the, to- the level cap's 26? Is that right? 30, I thought. 30. Okay. Um, so you're, you know, I'm right around there as well. Yeah. So we're both about halfway finished with. I mean, the top zones are like 27 to 30. Yeah, that's range, right. So, so what are your initial impressions, Matt? Both um, of us played the beta. Well, it's interesting to come from like because you know. Like a month and a half ago, I didn't care about this. I didn't even wasn't even on my radar. And I played the beta, and I really liked it. So I'm like, all right, I'll try this. And uh, so yeah, so now I'm playing it. Uh, you know, 13 levels in, about 18 hours in. Um, I love it. And uh, now to to sort of put your perspective in perspective, you're a, you're a big fan of Destiny. Yeah, I like Destiny a lot, and this feels like. Even last night, running around with with my friend playing it, uh, he he said like I wish Destiny had had this much co- much to do when it came out. Yeah. Like there's a lot more, but but the but the other stuff to do is also very much what we. Exp- I mean, of all the Ubisoft games I've played in the last several years, uh, this might be the Ubisoftiest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> because really, they just combined all the things you expect from a Ubisoft game into one game. It's a it's a um, it's an open world. Uh, Cooperative and competitive shooter 
with a military bent with the Tom Clancy brand and 4,000 little collectible things you have to pick up across a giant map that most of which have some kind of audio diary attached to them. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like Ubisoft the design doc. Yeah. And like in a similar you know but like not to not to rip on it in that way but it it, it does feel like you're playing like Ubisoft game. It's the quote, pe- the, the division. Like the know? penultimate Ubisoft. It's like what yeah. all the other games that they've made the have The platonic ideal make. of Ubisoft <laughs> games is that you know in the same way they kind of like Watch Dogs like a lot of people describe it as like this is like the raw engine that they make their other games out of. Yeah. You know, it's like it's but this one has a lot more personality, I think. Um, you think it does? Uh, then Watch Dogs, yes. Well, then Watch Dogs, yeah. But I just—that's one thing I would say about this game—is I don't feel like it does have any personality. No, I feel like it's—I feel like it's riding on you know, it's—I think it's very solid shooting gameplay, and the and the dungeons, for lack of a yeah. better term, are very cool. Lots of fun. Uh, I've found some cool gear. It's and they, and they, they differentiate how the gear feels surprisingly well, considering it's all just guns. Um, but I've, you know, I've had uh, different uh, types of assault rifles that all played very differently to me. At least as far as that, you know, you know, you're a shooter fan. You know what? It, yeah, I mean, similar, I don't feel the difference. Two similar guns can feel very different. I don't feel the difference between like uh, the weapon classes that much, but I can definitely feel a big difference between like an SMG and assault rifle. Mm-hmm. Um, but all the SMGs kind of felt like they fired the same to me. All I have not rifles. stuck with SMGs at all. I've been using assault rifles for the most part and a sniper rifle, which now I find yeah. I have a decent sniper rifle, which is like the boss killer. This game um, is just, it's very loot heavy. Hugely And a lot heavy. of your performance in this game completely depends on how lucky you get with loot. For instance, Matt, you got, like, hooked up. Yeah, I found, I got luck, because I'm mainly using assault rifles anyway, but last night, near the end of the night, I found, uh, it was a pair of gloves that ups my assault rifle uh, damage by 38. Uh, and an assault lucky rifle, you. it was an assault rifle that was, like, it was a blue um, scar uh, that like when I once I'd upgraded it with my mods, right now I'm doing 6200 DPS. Um, That's like double the damage I'm doing right which now. Which is like, I mean, it's I mean, you know, because one of my it's actually great for me because one of the things like I, that annoys me about the game a little bit is the bullet sponginess of the yeah. enemies because it's hit point based more than anything. But now um, they go down on about irrelevant. four yeah. shots, so it doesn't matter, you know. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's fun, you know. And I, I will, I will blow the 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 flamethrower backpacks of those cleaner guys up all day. Yeah. Like I, that is the <laughs> most satisfying thing satisfying, in the game to me. Yeah. And it's really pretty. Um, there's a lot. You know, what version are you playing? PS4. Yeah, me too. And there's a lot of. I mean, I'm, it's better on the PC, obviously. But like, there's a lot of moments in that where I'm just like, wow, this is. You know, especially when the sun sets and like you see the sun like you know glinting off the fog or there was like or off the puddles on the ground. There was a or... quick moment when um, we were running down an alley and the sun was at our backs, and I noticed that like. The sun, like like my shadow, like going down the alley was like very diffuse and, it was and stretching soft and diffusing and stretched. Yeah. And when I move over to like where the the wall was by the alley, it sharpened and you could see. And it's a very simple effect, but it just like it just works. No, lots of games it's don't do really, that, man. No, especially not on consoles. Like <laughs> yeah. that's a piece. You know, it's softened more than the PC does it on. You know, the PC is obviously much sharper with it. But like seeing it on a PS4 game was like, oh, that's really cool. It really feels real. And when the blizzards come in and like the visibility goes down and it looks, yeah. you know, and you're having firefights in the middle of that, it looks great. The game is just, it is just packed with stuff, man. Like yeah. there's so much, so many things to think about and manage. You have like, 
your perk trees. You mm -hmm. have like these three wings of your base that you have to build out. Which are all tied into your perk trees and into your mods of those perks and into... It, it, There's attachments for guns. Connects up. It is yeah. just, it is. And you can craft that, or you can break them down, or you can break these down, or you can craft this separately and then put the mod in it, and they can. Oh my god! You can right. So you can much. break down weapons that you find and just collect the parts off of them that you want to, and repurpose them for other weapons. Uh, I mean, the it's, systems it's at work here, it's it's literally almost overwhelming at yeah. times. Like and keeping track of it all, like. I'm glad I played the beta because, like, yeah, me too. It helped me. I, I was able to kind of figure things out before I jumped into this, and I kind of knew what I was doing already. Yeah, definitely helped. Um, the gunplay is good. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel okay with the cover system. I'm still not a billion percent like on board with it. I still feel like the covered like. I don't feel 100% comfortable with it, like how it works for some reason. Maybe there's just an element mm. of it that I haven't discovered or whatever, I but I still feel like it, I can't pop off a cover when I want to, and sometimes I do pop off when I don't want to. Well, my problem with that is, uh, and we talked about this before the show too, is that uh, my controller's broken oh, yeah, for the yeah. second time, <laughs> second PS4 controller. It's this thing, and the, other, the last time it, it started doing, the first one when it started doing this, when I was playing Destiny. So like, what happens is this, it's the left analog stick, and when you try to push right, it basically goes down right. Yeah. So for like, and it hadn't been doing that when I was playing Far Cry Primal, but like I was playing Division, and I'm like, my guy, when I'd move right on in cover, would just pop out and run the other way. I'm like, what is, what are you doing? Like, what is that? And I, I'm like, it didn't do that in the beta. What's going on? And so finally, I went to the web browser and uh, you know checked it, and of course the analog stick is all totally out of whack. So here's here's my uh, my third analog stick. Or Your my third, third controller. My third controller. Blue, so I can differentiate it between the black one and the white one, which don't work anymore. <laughs> I have Dreamcast and Saturn controllers that still work to this oh, day, know, people. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why these things break down in a year. I actually bought the... Oh, uh, I know why. They're made cheaply. Well, yeah. I actually <laughs> bought, for the first time ever, I bought the protection plan for this thing. Oh, really? So when it breaks... This one breaks I've in a year. I've never bought a protection plan for anything. So when this thing breaks in a year, ever. I can take it back and get another one from Best Buy. Jeez. So that's my plan on luck. that one. Um, and it's sad because I think this controller, in, except for the longevity, I think that the, the DualShock 4 is a huge improvement. I love it, yeah. It's over great, the, over the previous controller. few controllers, and I think uh, it's the best controller of any of the platforms right now. So let's get back to the division. But, um, I, I, so I don't feel comfortable kind of judging the cover system yet because it doesn't... Because you had a broken analog right. stick. <laughs> and, it, and it hasn't impacted it too bad because that's not the stick I used to aim with. Right, so that's right. the important part. But yeah. I just have to keep in mind that if I try to move right, I'm going to stick my head up and look like a moron. <laughs> um, but overall, I think it feels pretty good. And it feels... It, I don't... It feels very Tom Clancy. Yeah, like, I, I, it reminds I me it of like it reminds me of Ghost Recon, I guess. I feel like there's some jank in this game though. Like for instance, bit. like uh, there's those guys that have axes that just run at you, and normally it's not a big deal, or you just shoot them in the head, and they never get anywhere mm -hmm. near you. But eventually, they have shields, and like two of them will run at you at a time. And anytime things get up close. It's just a mess. Oh, yeah. The game is a total You have a mess. melee, but it's not. It's a joke. It's no. like this weird elbow that you throw that, like, you have to elbow someone, like, five times to knock them down or whatever. Like, yeah, you just have to blind fire and hope, basically. Pretty much, yeah. And it just, it, if anybody gets close to you, the game, it just all breaks yeah. down into a big pile of trash, Like, I basically. played most of yesterday. I played a lot solo the first night. The second night, I mostly played with my friend, who, the same guy I played Battlefront with. And, uh, like, that was one of our priorities, was, like, watching if a guy was charging the other person. Yeah. Because, like, someone had to take care of it. You can't do anything. Yeah. And the other thing I would say, too, is the game is challenging. Like, I've been playing all the single-player stuff by myself, and one thing I will say I'm pretty pissed off about is Ubisoft totally could have sent this out early for review. Like, 
I've been playing all the missions by myself. Mm-hmm. And it's challenging. Like, I've called some people in and made the game a lot easier, although it does scale. Oh, if it you bring scales. people in, they'll bring in more enemies for you oh, to fight. Yeah. But it does make it easier still if you have more people. More eyeballs definitely helps, no matter how many guys oh, yeah. they throw at you. For sure. Playing this by yourself, though, on the campaign, it's tough. It is. There's a lot of sections where I've had to do them over and over. And something that really bothers me about this game is that you can't, like, pause it. Hmm. And then the other part of it, too, is, like, a lot of, like, the really involving missions have, like, multiple parts. Like, multiple checkpoints. And then you get to, like, the end where you have to fight the boss or whatever. And it's, like, I'm petrified to say... Like, I don't know if it's actually saving the game. Like, if I turn off the game and leave and come back later, do I have to start that whole mission over? Or will that checkpoint Mm. right before the boss, like... Start me there. I don't know. Because these... I've been too chicken to quit out at That's that what point. I'm saying. Like, these missions are so long that by the time you get to the end of one, you're petrified to, like, turn off the system because you're like, man, I don't want to have to go through all that crap all mm. over again to get back to this boss fight mm. or whatever. And, you can't, like, you know, my wife comes in from work, and I'm like, at one of these... I was, For instance, I was right at, like, the boss. I was fighting one of the bosses. And my wife comes in, and she's like, hey, what's up? And I'm like, uh... I can't really, like, pause the game, so and I can't really talk to you because they're going to keep attacking me. Like, it's just really weird. Well, well I, a similar thing happened to me where we were You're playing... You're trapped playing the right. game. Right, well, we were of. playing... Because we had just started, um, like, one of the missions, like, one of the, you know, the, the story missions, I guess you'd say. Yeah. So we're about a quarter of the way into this thing, and I didn't realize that, like, how late it had gotten, and my girlfriend comes in, and she's like, dinner time, and she brought dinner, like, to yeah. the, t- and so, like, I'm like, well, we can't stop, and she knows the guy that I was playing with, I'm like, well, we yeah. can't stop, I don't want to leave him hanging, yeah. so I'm still playing, and da, da, da. and so we finished the thing, and I'm trying to eat, and pay, you know, da, da, da. And, um, and finally we finish, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a break and finish eating, and I look, and my girlfriend's gone, and I go, and I'm like, oh, well, you can take your food back, and we can finish eating if you want, she's like, no, I finished my food, and, like, like an while hour ago. <laughs> and I, like, while you were there, I'm like, you finished all that? She's like, yeah, like, that took like an hour. Like, what are you, I've been in here for like doing other things. For, like, I'm like, wow. really? The like, time it, just whizzed right I, did, I didn't notice it. I didn't even see her finish eating or leave. Yeah. Like, that's how focused I was on it. And I'm like, on one hand, I'm an asshole. On the yeah. other hand, like, that's an absorbing game. It is, yeah. yeah. Well, you have to pay a lot of attention in this game because you can just stumble Situational across... Situational awareness is huge. You can just stumble across, like, pockets of enemies. It'll just kill you. Yeah. Like, and that, that's one... Like, it, it's a double-edged sword. Like, I like the fact that you always have to stay on your toes. You never know what's going to happen. But I also don't like the fact that it, like... You have to, like, give your life completely to it while you're playing it. Like... Well, on the other hand, like, uh, dying really doesn't have any penalty. Yeah, I mean, you just go back to a checkpoint, yeah. unless not you don't like, feel like playing through that checkpoint again. And believe me, there are some battles that I got to the point where I did not want to fight him again. My problem, the only times I've really died a lot were the first night after the, well, the servers went down after, like, Well, when you're dealing 3,000 damage, I could see, or well, 6,000 damage. Was, well, this was early on, though. This was very early on. I mean, well, first off, I got to about level, I got to Manhattan, I got to level 5, the servers went down, and when they came back up about an hour later on launch night, uh, I was level 1 again. And had only finished one mission, so I had to redo all that. So thanks a lot for that. But that sucks. Um, the, the, the servers were kind of like janky for the rest of the night, and there were a lot of times I died that first night because uh, it would do that thing where like the servers sort of like had a hiccup, and like the whole game sort of freezes, and you get the enemies are sort of running in place, yeah. and I'm moving up, and I can't do anything, and all of a sudden, you know, the the server catches up or whatever, and like suddenly it's like, oh well, I, you know, because. 
I had no input. The server wasn't listening to me. Or, you know, I had no way to control the guy. My guy just stood there while the enemies came in and just shot him to death. Yeah. So, that was, so I died like seven or eight times the first night because of that specifically. Yeah. Oh, I've died um, a bunch in this game, man. But I, I have not died too much um, beyond that. Like it's, it's, I've died. I mean, dude, it's like I've found a million ways to die in this game. <laughs> like there's the one boss fight with... Uh, a, million, the, a million ways to die on the west side, huh? Yeah, well, there's the one boss fight where you're in like the warehouse and the one guy's got the hyper-powerful like uh, flamethrower. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then he comes in and he comes in with the other guy that's a sniper that literally he hits you once and it takes all your health but a spec. And then his flamethrower can throw flames for like 100 yards. So they put you in this square warehouse so, so that no matter where he is, his flamethrower is al- only like five feet away from burning you at all mm-hmm. moments. Like, I don't know well, how you haven't died in this game. Like, well, it's, cause when there's that just happens, so many ways to get killed. Because when that happens, you go downstairs. You get, get, you He's get, still only 40 feet away from yeah, you. Yeah, but you just got to get more, more distance. I mean, look, I beat it. I figured out right. how to beat it. I'm just saying, like, you're the only person I've talked to about this game that hasn't said that they've died constantly. Everyone who writes about it is like, dude, I've died over and over again. I don't know if you're like a prodigy or something, but everybody writing about this game right now is saying that they die constantly. I haven't died too much, but again, uh, most of yesterday I did not play solo. No. I played all the single-player stuff solo, which is probably stupid. I probably should partner up with people. Um, I mean, I haven't gone down, because I'm also, like, rolling with a healer spec. I mean, I'm going full medic on this thing. Oh, oh. So any time anything goes wrong, I, I just click the, the that heal thing, yeah. and I get, half, you know, I get half a full life bar back. And look, um, I, I feel like they've fleshed out this universe, even though it's semi-reality, um, very well. Like, it's very believable. The stuff that people say when you walk by, uh, I mean, just the level of detail in, yeah. in, in the environments, like the clutter and everything inside the... It's amazing. But the one thing I would say is that, like, it seems like there's very little reward for looking around. Like, right mm. now we're seeing this whole row of, like, tractor trailers. And in most games, I would see that row of tractor trailers, and I'd be like, okay, well... If I go all the way to the end of these tractor trailers, or I get in one of them, there should be loot in there. But that's not really how this game is. Like, I feel like it's not teaching me to find the loot. I waste a lot of time looking for stuff and never find anything. And most of the time, the loot is just, like, right in your path. Like, it doesn't encourage you to explore, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I've, I've noticed, like, as I progress further, I've had to start going further off the beaten path. To really? Find, to find the good containers. Like, you're, you'll find, like, the little backpacks that have, like, the energy bars and stuff yeah. like that. But, like, in a couple of later missions, I've noticed that I've had to, like, oh, that stairway is not a direction I have to go for the quest. I wonder what's down here. And there's usually one of those bigger boxes down there, yeah. which it gives you a better thing, usually, or at least a blue thing, usually. At this I just point. feel like you know, anytime I go out of the way, and you know, after you've played a ton of games like this, you kind of start to know, like, okay, if I go down all the way to the end of this hallway, there's probably a little room with some loot in it. Like, I do that in this game and there's never anything there. Yeah, a lot there. of time there like, isn't anything there. Or, or it's just a so backpack just, with, and I'm full of all the stuff right, that it wants yeah, to Yeah, and it discourages up, so. me from wanting to continue to explore the environments. I'm like, if I, after the tenth time I've gone down this tangent tangential hallway and not got anything it's like the 11th time i think twice about it the 15th time i just don't go down there so for a loot driven game the way the loot is kind of distributed in the game and for you to just get a random drop that like increased your damage like 30 percent that's disheartening to me to hear that i mean part of it helps that like i mean it happened to be that that's i was specking basically in the direction of firearms and assault rifles anyway that could be um so it's you know that's just 
I don't. I didn't even know you could. And there's apparently, you know, gloves do that. Gloves can add damage to weapon types. So there, I, I yeah. found shotgun ones and pistol ones. I mean, my friend I'm playing with, his main weapon is his pistol. Yeah. He's got this like badass like revolver, out. I think that like just like I mean, I've One seen shot. him once because my assault rifle can take armor off of bosses. But like once it gets the arm, I get the armor off. He'll two shot a guy in the head. Oh, wow. I mean, it's just like I mean, way faster than I could ever take that the guy down. And like so, I mean, part of maybe one of the reasons I'm not dying so much is because um, I got a good good duo. Yeah, Butch, thing, and, Butch and Sundance are cleaning up. One thing I do like zone. about it is that as you level up your guns, it you, you, every little thing that you kind of add to it, you do see the difference. With yes. It. Yeah, for sure. Even like that 3% stability increase, yep. you feel it. You can feel it, yeah. And that's something I really appreciate. In any game where you're leveling stuff up and you're grinding for loot, that's really important that when you actually do get an upgrade that you can tell the difference when you use it. And that, this game does mm-hmm. a great job of that. Um, so that is one one thing I would say. Yeah. But the other thing I would say is that like because it is kind of set in reality and in this setting, I, you know, I've been playing, I'm probably 14, 15 hours into the game. Like, it is starting to get repetitive at this point. Like, I feel like there's only so many guys I can gun down in hoodies with, like, a baseball bat. <laughs> like, and they all say the same crap, like... Well, I'm hoping we run into a new faction soon. Yeah. You I know? mean, I'm, I'm assuming we do, because there's, like, three major factions or whatever. Right. So, and that should change it. But it's not even necessarily, like, the cleaners or whatever, the guys with the flamethrowers that, like, I'm talking about. I'm talking about just the people that you fight... Mm-hmm. 95% of the time, which is dudes in hoodies with, like, axes or whatever. Many of them named Alex, you always Because there's that one... Yeah. They say, like, they got Alex! They like, did, Alex. Ev- did everyone named Alex in New York become, <laughs> like, a looter? Like, what happened? Like, what are you saying? Yeah, and so, you know, one thing I would say about this game is that if, like, games like Destiny turn people off... And at this point, I, most people, I think, who are going to buy it have probably just freaking bought it. It's almost like I wonder now if it's even worth doing a game eval for, like... Maybe. I mean, some. I'm sure it's going to get the attention of some people who didn't pay attention before. They're like, oh, I guess this is big now? Kind of thing. I mean, am I enjoying this more than Destiny? Maybe a little. I am. Yeah. I but st- but in I the, still get the... I mean, look... In the, in the sense the that I feel that like there's more to do, basically. Yeah. But like Destiny, I don't know. Does it feel better to play than Destiny? I don't think I, I go No, that I far. like the gunplay in Destiny more yeah. than this. Without a doubt. Yeah. But, you know, Destiny is a first-person shooter. This is a third-person cover-based shooter. So, you know, you're obviously, depending on your perspective, you're going to like one more than the other. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking about, like, the grind part of it. Because I'm not a big grind gamer, I guess is mm-hmm. the best way to put it. Like, I get tired of stuff eventually. Well, and I'm already starting to tire of this game a little bit. Well, my thing, I'm, I can kind of feel myself maybe 10, if it doesn't, like, throw another twist or two at me, in terms of who I'm fighting in the next 10 hours, I could peter out on it. Yeah. But I'll tell you, the fact that when I find loot, the loot is the fucking loot yeah. that I find, Yeah. that's a point of it helps. It definitely right. helps, yeah. I mean, I have, a, I have yet to hit the loot jackpot, so maybe if I got a nice piece of gear that like drastically mm. upgraded my abilities, you know, it might change my perspective. I have yet to get lucky in that regard, though. Um, have you gone into the dark zone yet, Matt? I have not. On the final retail? I, have yet, I haven't either. I mean, I did it a bunch in the beta, to kind of get an idea of what it's like, but I haven't really ventured there yet. Uh, I'm just kind of trying to plow through like the single-player missions. Um, mission variety, th- there really isn't any. It's no, pretty much go here, kill everybody, come much. back. Everyone, you know, it's like go here, kill everyone, or go here, activate thing, defend it from everyone. Uh, go here, pick up thing, take it here. Yeah. That's it. Or defend this guy. Yeah. For a while. And then he goes back to the safe house or whatever. Yeah. Um, or rescue hostages. That's oh. the thing that I noticed was like, because usually when you rescue a hostage, there's a loot thing in the yeah. hostage room. 
sometimes the loot thing in a hostage room is a gun. Really? You're not a hostage if you have a gun in a bag in your fucking room. Like, I haven't got that yet. But like, you like go in and you're, and you're like, duh, 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 duh. did you notice the shotgun in the box next to you? That's before? when video games go wrong. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little ludo narrative dissonance. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, no, that, that was amusing to me, and uh, also the fact that like the character creation is really kind of limited. Yeah, <laughs> really I mean, limited. There's like eight faces or yeah. whatever for an MMO. That's a big deal, man. Oh, weird. Well, Why also, are like, only eight? I tried. <laughs> I went through like a lot of different combinations, like various you know gender and race, and like they all kind of look vaguely French somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know because I think Massive is in Sweden, so I don't know yeah. what what that's about. But like, and then of course there's not many hair options, which I figure is because they know you're going to be wearing a hat. Yeah. 98% of the time So who cares What your hair looks like Yeah I mean it'll be Interesting to see If the dark zone Gives it legs um, There's no traditional PV- PVP in this Yeah It's, it's like it's Multiplayer like, modes It's like dark zone Open it's just world Free for all Ganking Which I never really liked In Grand Theft Auto Online I don't know how much It's going to resonate With me here uh, Again you know I did play with it In the beta a little bit mm-hmm. It seemed like Most of the people In the beta Were a lot more friendly Than when you get out With just Out yeah, in the we'll wild see. We were also having fun with like the fact that like you could hear your the other player's voice like echoing down the street. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, that could be fun. Like once you're in the dark zone, you can hear other because like we talk about like other games and what we're buying next, what movies we've seen while we're shooting guys. Yeah, and, yeah. And I'm kind of looking forward to going through the dark zone and hearing people just like small talk as like yeah, they, yeah. as we like run through like trying to kill other terrorists or whatever. You know, that, that, and it's like the echo effects are really cool. And, like you know, and that uh, you can even do it uh, if you team up with someone. Talk to them, have talk to each other while you're in an echo reconstruction thing. Yeah, I don't think they, I've done that. Because you know the echo thing, yeah, like yeah. It, has a, it has that weird sort of like, like digital thing. Yeah, they affect your voice. Your, your, your voice goes through the, the other person's voice comes out through the TV oh, that's speakers cool. as like with that effect on it. It's really neat. The attention to detail in this game is really good. It's definitely there. Yeah, just sure. across the board, um, you can tell a lot of TLC went into this game. You can see yeah. that the delays paid off big time. Um, the game's extremely polished. I haven't really come across like any bugs or anything. We ran into a bad bug at one point uh, where we were doing an echo, and my friend wouldn't ac- be a Ubisoft game without no. at least one. My friend accidentally opened the grenade selection window, yeah. and it's stuck there, and he couldn't get uh, it off. And I'm like, sure, it was another bad analog stick. No, no, his analog <laughs> stick won't go up because uh. that's his problem. So he has trouble running. So we're like, he like he can't run, and I can't cover, and I can't, so yeah, we're a great team. But um, he was stuck on that. I'm like, well, can you fast travel? So he fast traveled back, still stuck on the grenade. I'm like, okay, uh, log out and log back in. Comes back, still stuck on the grenade. Really? He had to quit the actual game, like close the game completely and then open it again and re-log in and then it worked. And it worked. Thank God. Yeah. For, for, for a second, he was like, he's like, it can be the stuck character forever. stuck like this yeah. forever? You have to contact Yubi about it. But like, so that's the only real bug I've run into. And some of the echoes, uh, when you get them, stay on the map. I've noticed like yeah. a couple of them I've already, but you know those are pretty minor for an MMO. I think there's some queues. I guess people have had to wait in some short queues here and there, but like they're handling it pretty well for their biggest launch of all time. It seems pretty solid. You know what I, what vibe this game gives me, and some people might consider this a compliment, some people might not. This game really reminds me of Uncharted. Mm, yeah, because it's like really the whole game is go into a room. <laughs> Enemies flood into the room. You kill them all. Shoot them in the head three on. times before they die. Yep. Some of them wear helmets. You got to knock the helmet yeah. off first. And with Uncharted, it's like, you know, you get to that 10, 11 hour mark and the game wraps up. And usually around that 10 or 11 hour mark with Uncharted, I'm ready for the game to wrap up. Yeah. Like, 
In this game here, I am past that, and I think that's why it's starting to wear on me a little bit, is because mm. it really is like Uncharted. It's just a big shooting gallery. You sit behind a piece of cover, and the guys run in their AI. That's one thing that isn't great. Their AI is not the smartest. Um, they will flank yeah. a little bit. Well, I can bet the cleaners are smart enough to run away from a guy whose tank is on fire. Yeah. But that's about as far as it goes. Yeah. Otherwise, they just flood in and you just keep pressing mm-hmm. forward until they get cl- as close to you as they can. But. Although, the one, another little thing I really like about it is um, that we, we've noticed playing online that like random like pedestrian comments or enemy comments, I hear the same stuff my teammates hear. Oh, you do? And, and like, they say the same. Because a lot of times, some, you know, someone will say something in the game and I'll react to it. And a lot of times on online games, you have, you have people you're with are like, what are you talking about? What are you about? laughing about? Because yeah. they didn't hear the know, same but sample. We all, but all the samples, the voice samples are all synced. So everybody who's playing so everybody hears, hears the, same, the same, same taunts from the enemies. They hear the same comments from the pedestrians. They hear, like, you killed Alex. You killed Alex. So like, you can actually make fun of that and everybody knows. But like, that's surprisingly rare in a game. Yeah. So like, that's, that's a right. level of polish that I appreciate. And we also like to make fun of the... Uh, like the citizen, you know, if you just run by people, like people, like the like there's like, like pedestrians are like robbing each other, and you run by with your gun, like hey, well, I'm not the danger. Don't no, don't I'll point like that stop at me. And I'll like, like protect run. people. Like if an old lady getting beat up, I'll stop and like beat up the guy who's beating mm. up the old lady. Like there is kind <laughs> of like that whole ecosystem to it where you get involved and absorbed into the whole world, and you're like, I want to protect the weak and. You know, stop the evil, and yeah. so oh, that, I, that part I of it gets me. I developed a compulsion to uh, close trunks oh. on cars. Nice. Like if, you, if you walk up to a car, like if, and the trunk or the hood is open, your character will close it. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that should be totally be an achievement for like closing a hundred trunks. Yeah. So here's what I would say. We kind of need to wrap this up. I would say, if you are not a fan of Destiny, I don't think you'll like this game. Mm-hmm. I think that is what I would say, and I, and I only say that because I feel like most people have Destiny for their frame of reference. But, look, I wasn't a huge fan of Destiny, but I still played it all the way to the end and had a good time doing it. But when it ended, I was ready for it to end. And I kind of get that same vibe from The Division. Mm-hmm. What's your perspective? Um, I think we're, pro- we're probably on a similar wavelength in the sense that I think I like Destiny more than you did. Yeah. Because I played it for about 100 hours past oh, yeah. the finish. <laughs> you definitely liked it a lot more than I did. Um, but eventually I kind of petered out because I'd done everything except the, the raid and I couldn't get enough people together to do the raid, uh, you know, to finish it re- repeatedly to get stuff. And at a certain point I realized like, oh, well, I'm just doing raid stuff to get raid gear to do the raid easier and I don't really even care about the raid, so why am I playing this? And yeah. that was it. Um, Division, I, you know, I really like the setting. I really like the world and it feels good to play co-op. It feels much better. The co-op function in this works better for me than Destiny. It's really seamless, yeah. Um, just it works, be- it's just like lickety-split. Yeah. And also just because, like, it just feels like you're working together more. Like, yeah. And, and like, your abilities complement each other more. Yeah, we more. didn't really talk about, like, you're right. There is a little bit of, like, mobiness in yeah. this. Where, like, because some of the stuff that you get, like, I have a turret that I can throw down. And, yeah, like, which is really cool. But, like, like I don't want that on my character because I'm not interested. But I, cause right. I love, like... But like, if you team up with me... Know, we've got a really good situation. Like, like, and my, you know, I have the... It took me a while to figure out that my healing thing, I can shoot it. Yeah, Like yeah. a distance. Uh-huh. Um, but I can shoot that off and heal any one on my team. And now I just got an upgrade on the mod that lets me resurrect someone from a distance with that. Yeah. So, like, that's great. It is, And, yeah. you know, and I'm about to get there another There is a great one. team element to it like that. Like, so everybody if you can, can really get everybody... Kind of, and... You know, like, we, I know that, you know, my, the guy I'm playing with, like, he prefers to have more of, like, the tech side. And we got another guy coming in who's going to love 
Uh, we know he's going to love having, like, the various cover stuff he can throw down and just sort of, like, use a light machine gun behind, like, big cover. Yeah. And, like, we're going to have a really nice team of four once, the, you know, once everybody's kind of in place and has picked up the game. And I'm looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to it. I think That'll the division... That'll make the Dark Zone fun, too. Yeah. I think. I think the division is as good as the people you're playing it with in a For lot sure. of ways. For sure. Yeah. I would agree um, with And that. It's, a, it's a good solo game. It's not... It's, you know, I don't mind it as a solo shooter, but I've had a lot more fun playing with someone. Oh, I'm... Yeah. I would definitely say that it is pales in comparison yeah. playing by yourself to play. If you've got some bros that you like to play shooters with, like I would consider checking it out. Yep. Because you you like you there's a lot of back you're watching each other's backs and fighting through these dungeons and finding cool loot and the and the loot is all shared. Pro, you know, like and that's really what it is. Loot. You're right. It is like a dungeon. Yeah. Like they would never call it that. Because you wouldn't call it a shooter, dungeon because it's not. Yeah, but it's, if you it's know a game dungeon. design, it, it's a dungeon. Well, even all, like last night we're catching each other. It's like, oh, there's a treasure chest. So, I mean, it's um, a, a bag yeah. backpack over here. <laughs> you know, you know, it's, yeah. a, it's a little Diablo to it. But. I have a feeling we're going to be talking about this game for a long time. Most likely, and it'll I'm looking. Be, it'll be like Destiny has been for the last nine months, where it's just like mm-hmm. one of those kind of landmark games that you're going to compare other games to as you go forward. Yeah. The so. one thing I'm surprised by is I'm, I am surprised there's not really any indoor combat. Yeah. Like, there's no, like, hallway, like, house-to-house kind of shoot, shootouts or anything like Although that. Although, what I do a lot of times is if I'm having trouble with a battle, I just run in, everybody sees me, and then I retreat out of a hallway. Mm. And I just mm. wait for them to run in the hallway run, and mow them down. Mow down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'm, inter- I'm interested to see what the uh, what the expansion stuff will be like, like you yeah, because there's you know there's a lot of New York left, so for sure. And you know they did it was kind of funny. Everyone was like reporting Brooklyn's not in the game, blah blah no, blah. Brooklyn's and then, the and you tutorial. start in Brooklyn. Yeah. No, I love that. <laughs> you know Ubisoft the whole time is just sitting there going, like, ah, nah. ah, ah. <laughs> we want to tell them so bad, but we're we'll wait. We're gonna troll <laughs> everybody, and that's exactly what they did. So uh, my game eval hopefully. Next Tuesday, that's probably best case scenario, I'm saying, because I want to spend some time in the dark zone. Hopefully Matt and I can maybe jump in. We're both playing PS4 and play together. Maybe I even jump on. A lot of you sifters have friended me in the last uh, couple weeks on PlayStation Network, so maybe we can get together and go into the dark zone together and get each other's backs. So we're going to go to our trailer of the week right now. As always, start getting your questions in now so that we can kind of sort through them while the trailer is playing and we can answer them right when we come back so we don't have that weird, awkward thing where we're both staring at like our phones or our iPads looking for questions. So get the questions in right now. At least for the first question. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the trailer of the week this week is Mirror's Edge Catalyst Combat Trailer. They put out two trailers this week on the same day at the same time, actually. One was uh, based on movement, the other was based on combat. I chose the combat version because I just like it more and it's more exciting. So let's roll it. All right, so we actually there was one great question um, in the chat before we even asked for questions, and that is from Dragon Slayer ninety one. What happens if you are a PC gamer who has never played Destiny? What will I think of this game? 
Do you like grinding for loot? Yeah. Do you grind for loot, and do you like cover shooters? Yeah. That's pretty. That's a question you have to ask yourself. Um, because the game, it is really repetitive. Like, mm-hmm. there's like a few mission types. Um, so a lot of it comes down to how much do you enjoy the gunplay, because there is a lot of yeah, it. Yeah, the gunplay, if you don't like that kind of the pop and stop, uncharted Gears of War style gameplay, like, there's nothing here for you. Yeah, and if you don't like grinding, there's really nothing for you. You're probably yeah, you, would hate you really game. better enjoy like that feeling of like, oh my god, what is is something awesome in this box? Yeah. No. Or what am I going to get? Look for the next box. You know. Right. Or what am I going to get when I kill this boss? You know, if you don't get like a charge inside you whenever you're fighting like a boss, wondering what you're going to get when you kill him, I would probably yeah. steer clear. You gotta love loot. Yeah, because it is really a loot-driven game. But there's, you know, it's also. The loot drives all these other intricate systems. There's mm-hmm. a lot of depth to it, honestly. I mean, a lot of menus depth, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it's the best way yeah, to Yeah, deep it. menus. Like, also, pro tip, if you just hold the options button, you go straight to the inventory. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they do a good job wrangling all this stuff. Yeah. It's still a little confusing. There's a, yeah, a little bit, but there's a... I mean... It's like for grenades. I don't want to like, rip on Yubi, but it's yeah. like... This is a surprising amount of thought put into this game for a Ubi game. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. A lot of times you see them kind of like just sort of going through the motions and putting out the next Ubisoft yeah, game. Yeah, Capital T-U-G. Yeah. But like this one, like clearly, like they, they went through focus tests and they went through, they you learned from the it. betas, they improved stuff. I mean, they, the map is great. The way the mission great. objectives are all laid out is great because mission or objectives are kind of classified by like the three disciplines in your base. And so if you want to build one particular arm of your base, like whether it be medic or, or tech or whatever, you can just go out and do those missions that are tagged for that arm of your base. So let's see. What else? Can we friend you on Xbox, Shane, from Ryan117Smith? Yes, you can. I'm Dinfire on Xbox Live, just like everywhere else, literally everywhere else. Uh, the only thing, the only place I am not Dinfire is League of Legends, and there I am the real Dinfire. Friend me anywhere. I'll accept invites from all you guys. <clears throat> all this talking's got me all choked up, Matt. <laughs> um, Here's one. W. Matthew, do you, you talked about a bit earlier. Do you think E3 can adapt, or do you think PAX and Gamescom will replace it? Oh, E3 will adapt. E3's not going away. It's just not. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they'll figure it out. They'll make it work. Um, I, would, I would say, in reference to that question, though, I would say that stuff like PAX and... And things like that have taken a little bit of the thunder away from E3. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, just the fact that you asked that question shows that it's taken some thunder away. Because I feel like five or six years ago, no one would even mention that. Could a consumer event take anything away from E3? And now it's a, it's a viable question to ask. Mm-hmm. Um, these consumer-focused events, um, and it's not, and that's the thing, too. Like, these events are consumer-focused from top to bottom. Like, E3 is a press event, or an industry event, and it's catered that way. The way it's set up, um, the way the booths are are set up, the way the floor plan is, like, it's all made that way for the press to go and do their jobs and for business people to go and do their jobs. You go and look at PAX. Mm -hmm. Like, it's more of like a... PAX is more of like a flea market, I guess is the best way to put it. Like, it's more of like a Mm community-type thing. Um, There's not like... Stuff kind of sectioned away, and like, here's where all the booths are. Here's where you eat. Everything's kind of mingled yeah. together. And like, there's even like, there's a whole section of booths like way up at the top of the convention center that you might never even see if you don't know there's an escalator there. Yep. And then there's places where you can just go play, like tabletop games, yeah. like beanbag so, chairs along the halls where you're supposed to just sit down and play your 3ds. You know, yeah. so it's it's a, it's a good atmosphere, but it's not a business convention. Right. And if E3 wants to change and be more consumer friendly. 
um, they're going to have to look at the stuff that PAX does and make adjustments accordingly because PAX is getting it right, people. There's a reason those things sell out yeah. in like a day every single time. An hour. Because it's fun. You go there. I mean, I love PAX. Like, PAX is, the, of all the different conventions that we used to cover and I've covered, like PAX is the only one I think I would go to on my own. Oh, for sure. Like, I walk into PAX and you just, you're like, my people. Like, yeah. you just, <laughs> you feel it. It's like, it's like when a Christian goes to church and they walk in, they're like, here's all the people who believe the same stuff I do. That's what PAX is for me. Like, I go in there and I'm like, these, I can relate to all these people in here. And it's like, you go to E3 and... There's stodgy business people walking around in suits, mm-hmm. and then you have, like, the corny booth bait. Like, it, E3 feels like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory in a lot of ways. E3 it's is like, Vegas. It's like, yeah, it's like this spectacle that, like, you, you feel a little bit, like, detached from, but in the same time, you have to be completely embedded in it. Mm-hmm. It packs, you just feel like you're home, basically, yeah. and you're hanging with your bros. Home and, is where they know you. Yeah, exactly. And so if you know if E3 wants to start changing its tact, that's the type of stuff it's going to have to look at to make mm-hmm. a change to Especially get Especially if they want to court like the YouTube like influencers and if they who want are going to respond more to that. Because we're assuming that doing a public day means people will want to go. I yeah. mean, that's not a certainty. Yeah. I mean, you I'll know, tell you this much, people. E three is hard to get to and get. I mean, it's it's yeah. it's a it's a commitment. It's also expensive. Very like expensive. all the hotels downtown jack up the rates, and the parking is like twenty five dollar. Like that's the thing is like how many people are going to travel to come to one day? That's what I'm saying. Thing? Is there's no guarantee that they, that even works? Yeah, well, it's because like it's like doing that at, like the Tokyo Game Show is another thing because like you can get almost anywhere. You can get to Tokyo from almost anywhere in Japan in a day. On a train, On yeah. a train. With no car. Because the transit system it's supports so it. Yep. And we don't really have that. Well, here it actually, yet. LA is better now. They're getting there. The gold line's open. The purple line's coming. So probably in, like, you know, three to four years, you'll be able to, like, get a hotel, like, down near Santa Monica and just take the take purple the line all the way down Wilshire to the Well, the purple the line might be doing that in the next couple of months, I think. Purple line. I live next to the purple line construction, and that's not actually supposed to open until, like, uh, 2021. Well, I know the trains that go through West LA open in May. Yes, Gold. Yeah, oh. I think Gold Line is opening all the way. Gotcha. But that'll take you downtown. Yeah. Yeah. So, so like, you could go from Santa Monica to downtown. It's finally E3. viable now in in the next few years to stay Getting various better. places to the further to the west of downtown. Yeah. And and take public transit in, which was literally not an option before. Yeah. E3 will have to make. I guess the bottom line is E3 will have to make some adjustments if it wants to be a consumer focused event. It can't just be like. We're going to open the door to these people now, and it'll become a smashing success. They have to do something different. Uh, what was it? Uh, Here's one from that- Vinuraba, one of our weekly streamers. Good to see you, bro. You're in here almost every week. Um, oh, no, I scrolled past. I lost him. Is that the Witcher 3 question? No, the question about your definition That's of the indie 3 games. Oh, okay. Oh, here it is. Under Matt's definition of an indie game... Would you classify Witcher 3 as an indie game since it was self-published by CD Projekt Red on PC? Um, I guess that kind of depends on where, you know, it is an independent game in the sense that someone funded it entirely by themselves, but then so is EA. Um, I think CD Projekt Red may have crossed the line into a major publisher by being, like, the predominant publisher of, like, Eastern Europe at this point. Um, But technically, in the same way that, like, Star Wars Episode One is an indie movie, you know, Witcher 3 is an independent game. You know, no one other than them was telling them what to do or giving them the money. Right. Don't you think that's a little weird, though? No, I mean, that's... Do you think that makes your your definition of indie game a little... No, because that's literally the definition of indie game. If you want to talk about a smaller budgeted game that doesn't sell for full price, you need to come up with another word. Okay. All right. Uh, Here's one from Twitchy Jeff. What TV do you play your PS4 on, Shane? 
Still a pan, yep, Panasonic Plasma VT50, 240 hertz. I love it. Mine's, is, I think I have a VT65. Yeah, mine's a 65 as well. Mm. Um, yeah, I love it. The 3D on the, the TV oh, is VT50, not, yeah. I think I have the exact same TV then. Yeah, the number is doesn't designate the size. Right. Yeah. It's the model. You were talking about the it's model, the model number. number. Yeah, I love it, man. And the 3D on the thing is freaking amazing. I have uh, this 3D Blu-ray called like Under the Sea or something. And you know, people mm -hmm. always say that like 3D on TV sucks. Man, I'm telling you, the 3D on my Panasonic TV will blow your freaking mind. Like, there's this one part in Under the Sea where there's a grouper, and a grouper is like a fish that's like 10 feet long and just huge. Literally, there is a grouper floating in the living room. <laughs> and its face comes right up to your face, and you can see little tiny fish swimming in and out of its mouth. It is so realistic that it scared my wife. She was so scared of it that she went to pet the fish. <laughs> so people, when they talk smack about 3D, like, I just don't think they've had a good 3D TV. Because if you have a good one, and you have a great 3D Blu-ray that was actually mm. filmed for 3D, it can be mind-blowing. I haven't seen that on, on Blu-ray, but I did see a preview for it at a 3D IMAX thing, and I know what you're talking about, because at a certain point, there's a shot where, like, it's showing, like, a shark, but in, like, a minnow swarm. Yeah. And so there's all these fish, like, right here, oh, while yeah. you're trying to look at the shark. And in the theater, I actually went like that. Dude, it's incredible. To, like, to, like swipe the fish out yeah. of my way, because at a certain point, your brain just believes it. 3D can work. The problem is there just isn't enough content. People gave up on yeah. it too quick. Also, I think it works better in, like, a documentary setting like that than a narrative one. Yeah. Uh, questions are flowing uh, in. Lestivet asks what my favorite Saturn game is, and have I played Shining Force 3? I have played Shining Force 3. I own it on Saturn. It's fine. I was annoyed at the time that we only got part one of three or whatever they were. Uh, my favorite Saturn game is Panzer Dragoon Saga, which is also my second favorite game of all time. Panzer Dragoon Saga for me as well. I mean, is there really a question? Not really. I mean, I it mean, is the best Saturn game. Yeah, I don't... There's I don't. a reason it goes for like $400. A lot of good stuff on the Saturn, but mostly import. And uh, very little on, on par with Panzer Dragoon Saga. There's so many questions. Um, how much are apartments in LA? You don't want to know. You really don't. They're not as bad as San Francisco, though. No, like you know, what was it like the third or fourth highest like apartment rental market right now is Oakland. Yeah, no. Because no, like you know, Everyone Oakland overflows from San Francisco. Used to be like no one lived in it was Oakland was locals, and now it's like everybody's got to live there to commute in. The thing with LA apartments is it depends on where. Like the closer you get to the ocean, the closer you get to the west side, the more expensive it is generally. Yeah. Or the clo the further up in the Hollywood Hills you get. Yeah. Well, that's just where the rich people live. Yeah. Period. Um, but I mean, as a general rule, on the west side. For a two-bedroom apartment that isn't ancient and has been remodeled in the last ten or fifteen years, probably about three grand a month, thirty-two hundred a month, something like that. Yeah, Dra US. Dragon Force would be my number two on the Saturn. And pl can someone please do a modern like HD remake of that, please? Here's one from Big Ass Boy. <laughs> I like that one. If I purchase a gifted subscription now. And save it for after the price increase. Will it still be usable? Yes, it will. Ooh. Uh, your gifted subscription is good for a subscription, no matter what the price of the subscription is. So Stock yeah. up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you could conceivably buy, like, 10 now and, like... I did that for uh, Xbox set. Live Gold at one point. It's like, 40, there's a deal on Sifted today, Xbox Live, for 40 bucks, people, if you need to renew your Xbox Live. Um... Let's see, this is from Neofant87. Have you guys any comments on the whole Coleco Chameleon fiasco? Do you think retro game consoles are worth releasing or making in the first place? 
Yes, they're definitely worth making. They're not worth making when they're bullshit. I mean, that whole thing was a ruse. You know, do you know the story with that, Matt? Mm-mm. Like, basically, they're they're making like an all-in-one console that ran like I think I can't remember all the platforms, but like, mm-hmm. and then they they had bought like these old Atari Jaguar cases. I guess that they just had like they found some mm-hmm. manufacturing company that just had skids of them. And so they bought it, and so everybody knew all along that, yeah, ultimately it was going to be built into these Atari Jaguar cases or whatever. But what happened was, like, they stuck, like, they went to, to a, a show and said, this is our final hardware version, and it turned out, like, it was just, like, literally, like, an, a Nintendo console inside, Nintendo hardware inside the Jaguar shell. <laughs> and they were running, like, I think it was Super NES games or whatever, and people busted them at the show we're like dude this is totally bullcrap like and so it got back to the holding company that holds the coleco brand and then yesterday the day before coleco completely dropped the project and said we don't want anything to do with it we wish them luck but we don't want anything to do with it anymore wow but yeah i mean i think retro consoles are great i love them all-in-one consoles mm-hmm. are, are great i have no issue with them as long as they're legit and yeah. that project was not legit no. at all also if you can get the sound emulation right which seems to be a big problem for the genesis yeah, retro you're right. consoles uh, that's really fun. I, mean, I bet they get the Jaguar uh, casing because that casing mold has been used for industrial equipment and uh, dental x-ray machines for years and years. So that's probably just readily available. Uh, let's see. Playing any good mobile games? There's no such thing. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> kidding. I honestly don't play mobile games at all. <coughs> I, play, I play Marvel Puzzle Quest and uh, I did play Lara Croft Go, but I finished it. Um, I'm not really on the go anymore. That's about it, really. Like, I don't take public transit anymore yeah. at all. I like, played You Must Build a Boat. I, I really like that. But it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't really play mobile stuff. Especially because, like, there's some, like, mobile stuff that people would say, like, oh, you got to play this mobile game. You gotta play this mobile. And I'm like, okay, I'll get to it. And then, like, there's a PC version. Yeah. And I'm like, well, like, uh, what was it? Uh, Abby told me to play uh, Rust Lake Hotel. On, uh, he said, oh, it was great. It was great. And, like, that... Two days later, like, it came out on PC for, like, 99 cents. I'm like, oh, I'll just play it on PC, you know? Yeah. Like, if I can play it on a... Sorry, mobile people. If I can play it on a real platform, yeah. <laughs> I will. Like, Yeah, I don't travel as much as I used to. I like buttons. I mean, I li- I, my where I live is, like, two miles from our studio here, so I don't have to take, like, public transit to get to... I just drive here all the time, so if, mm. that's the only reason I would ever play mobile games if I had to travel. Uh, yeah, I play mobile games... And then games I would with... just use my 3DS or my Vita, so... My mobile game playing has definitely gone down since I uh, don't travel as much anymore Yeah, uh, for work and stuff. Okay, we'll answer two more. Let's see if there are two more. Mm, I like that. Ryan Ryan one seventeen Smith no Nintendo handheld in the future what happens to Pokemon? Maybe they'll finally make a good console version. I of think Pokemon. Pokemon becomes whatever Pokemon Go is. Yeah. I think it mutates into some kind of mobile. Phenomenon. Well, it'll become a mobile game. Yeah. I mean, you don't really need to play Pokemon. There's no advantage to playing Pokemon on a handheld versus mobile. Not There's really. none. There's none. I guess traveling around the overworld. A D-pad's better than using touchscreen. Not really. I mean, you can just touch where you want to go, and he just goes there. Yeah. I mean, that is the one Nintendo series that there's really no advantage to playing it on a handheld versus a handset. So that's probably where it's headed. Um, do we have anything else? 
Somebody just said, I pay 1800 a month for a one-bedroom in West L.A. next to Santa Monica. That's exactly where I live. That's exactly where we are right now, by the Pretty way. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> We're in Culver City. We're basically in West L.A. on the border of Santa Monica. So if you could come by sometime in the studio, you could hang out while we tape. One X Solo, Dark Souls 3, either of you? Yeah. Of course. I'll, yeah, I mean, I'm going to give it a try. We'll see how that goes. I'll, I mean, I'll probably get... I mean, I, I hope I have time to get through it. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be a crowded spring, but... Uh, no, I'm in for Dark Souls 3, no question. Yeah. We, are, we are... Maybe he's too soft for Dark Souls 3. I'm not too soft for Dark Souls 3. Oh, yeah, someone else saying hi from Santa Monica. Wow, all you sifters in West L.A. You're so close. Maybe we should do the quiz show and have people in person. Mm-hmm. Have you guys come into the studio and wore it out a little bit. But, uh, all right, that's it. We could sit and answer questions all damn night, but this show has already reached its three-hour peak. Damn. Another three-hour episode of Game Face. Um, some, I just saw some people when we started the stream there saying that it was, like, already two in the morning. So if you guys yeah. stuck with us till five, <laughs> you'd a man or the woman. You could be yeah. a woman. I actually don't know still if there are any females on Sifted. I don't know. And I would say, like, if you're a female, put it in the comments, but that would be a really bad decision, so. Yeah, if, you, if, if you're out here on this battlefield, hold up a giant flag yeah. and shoot me. Because we don't collect, like, people's no. personal information when they, uh, when they subscribe or register for Sifted. We don't know anything about anybody. We don't know what their real names are, really, or anything. Like, we don't get any of that data, so... I honestly have no idea if there's a single female subscriber. So I would guess there are some. There might be. If any of you, if there are, I wouldn't advertise that information. Yeah, if yeah. I were them. If there are any females who are watching this, women just, maybe. Yeah, women, women whatever. Women. Send me a private message and let me know that you're there. I just curious. I have no idea if there are mm. any females on. Yeah, we have no idea of demographics really for the site. Nope. We assume people are older because we don't need it because we're not selling the data right. to anybody. So. Yeah, every other website knows everything about you, but at Sifted, we, yeah. we don't know Jack. <laughs> we have no idea. Probably good. You could probably all be the way. same person. We don't know. Yep. Just one guy subscribing over and over. Yep. So as always, thanks. It seems like there are more people on our chat than ever. It seems like the show is growing on Twitch, which is great. Uh, I just turn on notifications for new subscribers to our Twitch channel, and literally, like, all day, there's just new ones rolling in. So definitely the audience is growing here on Twitch, which is great. Uh, we're totally fine with everybody watching it here for free on Twitch. Hopefully, maybe someday you eventually decide to subscribe. If, subscribe. if not, no big deal. Enjoy it. That's what we're here for. So, once again, thanks, everybody, for watching and tuning in. We'll be back again next Wednesday, I think. I think Wednesday's actually working out good now. Yeah, it gives you time to play the new release. Yeah, because, yeah, like, for instance, if Matt doesn't happen to get, like, an early copy of something, it'll give him at least a day to play a game before we come in here and, and mm-hmm. talk about him. So, I think we may stick in this Wednesday for a little while here. It seems to be working out really well. So... As always, thanks, everybody. Everybody have a great night, morning, evening, dusk, whatever it is to you. (laughs) Game Face is up and out.